This is exactly right. On the 12th season of Tenfold More Wicked, we investigate a series of compelling mysteries from the city of Fall River, Massachusetts, where problems started generations before Lizzie Borden's murders made her a household name. Join me as we cover the misfortunes that have befallen this infamous town for more than 150 years, including the Great Fire of 1843. Season 12 premieres Monday, May 13th on Exactly Right. Follow Tenfold More Wicked on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome. Hi, welcome. <laughs> Are you saying that to me? I'm reiterating. Oh, because welcome to you. Welcome to you, Karen. Welcome Thank to you. everyone to my favorite murder, the podcast. This is a podcast where we talk about true crime, you know, and everything else under the sun. Everything we can even imagine. Oh my God, we're getting into a lot of religious stuff lately. <laughs> Spirituality. I'm I'm more spiritual than religious. I'm not religious, but I'm more spiritual. No, but I hear people saying that on dates behind me at restaurants all the time, and I just want to punch them in the face. I would love to sit behind a date where they were like, I am strictly religious, and I think spirituality is wrong. Yeah. I'm here for the rules and the books, and I don't care about the soul or the feeling. I would be relieved to yeah, hear that. Nice. In L.A., you'll, you'll never hear that in L.A. I witness, I feel like in the LA, in LA, I witness so many Tinder dates oh, or like coffee meetups. Yeah. And I get, I, I get so involved. Oh, like how? Well, I'm a humongous eavesdropper. Totally. Well, I'll fucking eavesdrop on anybody. Me too. Well, um, how can you not? Like, it's not eavesdropping. It's listening to the conversation going on. That is going on way too loudly. Always. Near because you. it's a, a city full of actors. Right. And everybody thinks they should be heard. Right. But then they're talking about stuff that they think is unique and interesting. Like us, for example, on this podcast, (laughs) right? Like true crime. Why talk about it if you're not going to record it? Like this murder. You know what makes me? It's because I have a problem with vulnerability. So when two people are sitting in front of each other, (gasps) trying to trying to present themselves as Mm. here's my most interesting, Mm -hmm. it makes me want to vomit into the closest garbage can Mm -hmm. for seven hours. Mm -hmm. Is I'm sorry. the garbage can because there's also a composting can and there's also a recycling and there's also the coffee place I go to has a um, an area to put your like coffee sleeve in to recycle the sleeve oh okay which I think has to be definitely against health codes but I do it anyways um oh well, my first of all, my vomit would definitely go into composting. Sure, because that's just going to churn up all you that don't mulch. Eat plastic bottles. The acid is going to break down all of those eggshells. Because every place you go into here has three bins, and you sit there and stare at them. And I'm going on a tirade. Go on. Three, three bins, seventeen actors. Uh-huh. Everybody's trying to hook up. Yeah. And um, yeah, and then if you want to reuse a coffee sleeve. <laughs> Wait, now, is that voluntary or are they just going to reuse those coffee sleeves and you don't know about it as the person buying what you think is a new coffee with a new sleeve? I bet I bet you think it's new and it's not new. 
You think that's true? Ugh, with their dirty fingers all How over could it? That be? No. I'd rather burn my fingers. Your fingers are where you put you put your fingers everywhere. I put my fingers everywhere. Do you know? Do you know? <laughs> yeah, that, you I, know that about me. I'm confronting you. That's what, how I meant that sentence. God You've been damn on tour you. with me. I meant You've to say me stop airports. putting your fingers everywhere. Oh shit. Okay. All right. Speaking of which, and I'm sorry for the segue. Someone started a hashtag hot for holes and it is <laughs> wrong. It's filthy. It is. It's making us look bad. Say what you they and mean, it is though. The funniest thing I've ever hot seen. Hot for holes is obviously our uh, love of our lives. Paul Holes, Paul Holes, the criminologist who solved the Golden State Killer right. among many people. But you know, he would defer. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, many no. I didn't do anything. Did. You know what I mean? Someone made like a. It looks like a um, science project poster board uh, thing of just photos of him, cut out photos of him all over it. I should. I believe you can find that under the hashtag hot for holes. I bet you fucking can. Um, He's wearing all different kinds of Oakley blades and all different sun sun settings. Um, But someone else made a really good point. They posted a photo of him. They saw him in an old episodes of like forensic files and said, uh, he he's aged well because he doesn't look so hot as a young man and you bullshit i agree he looks i would have i would have fucking punched his puka shell wearing face in the fucking face <laughs> like he just didn't look that hot you're not into early paul holes no i'm into i'm into later stages like he looks like he's been hanging out on what's the island with the tequila with the guy who sings in hawaii no <laughs> margaritaville no, the no, island yes no 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 the one steven's with, island margaritaville steven's island uh you know the one with the Cabo? Yes. <laughs> with I the don't tequila. Think that's an island. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta go and tour to Mexico. Edit this out. <laughs> yes, he definitely has vacationed uh, along looked, Baja, yes. California. And like the kind of pre-skin cancer look yes. now that he's got, like withered a little. But here I have to say, first of all. I was talking to my sister on the phone this morning and she called Paul Holes the Indiana Jones of criminology. <gasps> and she go, I couldn't stop laughing. And she, she goes, I'm not kidding. I like wrote I love you on my eyelids as I was watching this interview. Oh, he gave, my God. He gave some hour long interview on KTVU, which is our channel two, our home station no up way. in Petaluma, which we grew up watching. There's only one, too. Um, That's and so she amazing. called me this morning to give me like the basically the she lowdown. Is so that is the best description of anyone I've ever heard in my life. Am I right? Yes. It's Laura. A- Laura a plus. Did it. Laura. A plus. Also, it's funny because Laura is not interested in true crime whatsoever. <laughs> She's just taking this ride with us. Love it. But so she like gets into it because she knows we go crazy. My sister, too. I don't think she gives two shits, but she's like happy that that I'm finally getting my need for attention met so she doesn't have to deal with <laughs> we really are shitty guys we? anymore yeah <laughs> have you ever wanted more attention in your life oh my god um anyway salute to Paul Holes yeah speaking of what I don't know pick one DNA yeah go DNA okay so we're so Stephen just sent us as we walked in to class that's what I'm calling this today um, a link of so people are losing their shit because it comes out that they found the Golden State Killer by uh, getting the D- familial DNA off some fucking person that was like I want to know what race I am you know like <laughs> from fucking wherever just just tell yourself you're Dutch Spanish yeah whatever you think you are I learned this by submitting my DNA to 23andMe you're whatever you think you are oh okay I'm so fucking 
Eastern European Jewish that I, I am basically inbred. Like, there's nothing else <laughs> about me. Your tribe kept it tight. I was so bummed because I was like, well, I have, you know, my family has dark hair. Maybe we are a little bit something cool. No. I mean, no. not that it's not cool, but just like a little mix. You guys did a great job, though, as a tribe. Thank you. You kept it alive. Uh-huh. You kept that hair good. Yep. Great features. We kept it in the family. You- <laughs> There's just a hundred percent. So some fucking person was like, I'm oh, claiming to be inbred. <laughs> what else is there? Uh, there? So he, so someone was like, what do you, what am I? And they sent their DNA in yep. to a half rate fucking company that didn't have the protection that 23andMe has and all these other and Ancestry.com has that are like, we won't give your fucking DNA away. Well, they actually said, though, I read an article where they had in their disclaimer, it said, um, if you were afraid you may have committed yeah. a crime or you don't want to be searched, like we we do not keep these DNA profiles out of that. So don't right. submit your... And like that, that's always been their customer service thing. It really annoyed me that like last week so i I took i took myself off twitter because i just couldn't handle it anymore but so the last shit i saw was like uh you know what's what does this mean for our public safety blah 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 and it's like no it wasn't a big fucking company if it's not like a big deal it's not everyone calm fucking down everyone let's talk about this murderer and what he did instead that'd be great so but that's they're gonna run zodiac's Stephen told us DNA through this company. Yes. That'll be fun. No, they, I saw that article. They said they aren't saying what company they're running. Oh, good. Okay. Cause I was like, someone's going to kill them. Some old man is about to kill himself tonight. Right. When he sees that. Well, let's keep our eye out for any, (laughs) uh, (laughs) well, how old would he be now in his late (laughs) nineties? Um, I mean, that would be exciting. It would be very cool. I, I agree with the people who are worried about there have to be restrictions or there Mm -hmm. has to be privacy. If you are spitting on a piece of cotton and Mm -hmm. sending it to some company because you want to find out just how Dutch you are, (laughs) fuck you. You're on it. You're, then you're in the mix. You're in the game. It's too late. You're done. And also, you know, like if they, they have to have probable cause. You know our boy, Paul Holes, lined it up so that it's like this thing, if they were going to do it and get the answer from a cer- in a certain oh, yeah. way. And I understand how outsiders don't trust this. I trust Paul Holes. He did it by the book because they don't want it to fall apart in court. Well, you know, Sally. Yeah, exactly. And you know, Sally Hole or Sally Holes. <laughs> oh, my God. Who's Sally Holes? I was going to say that, you know, Sally and HR at whatever fucking DNA company who like Paul Holes came up to her and was like, I'm going to tell you why you're going to do this. Like, I need this. And she, and she was, was just like, like I love there was no chance. I love and then she wrote Mrs. Sally Holes over and over again. That's what I was going to say. My, my favorite my favorite thing is so many people are now writing dirty jokes. Like oh I got one the other day where I was like, what? I thought I got I thought I was being trolled. Where it was like, I'd like to investigate no. some of these holes where I'm like, oh, I get it. People are really experimenting with their blue comedy with their with this specific combination of nouns. Well, all we need to do is add into Adam to uh, Karen's list of men she loves with last names that are nouns. Nouns. Yeah. It's just we've got Jimmy Buttons. Buttons. We've got Paul Onions. Onions. Now we've got Mr. Holes. There's one other one. Someone made a really great like 
Jackets. But Jackets was a bad guy. Oh, yeah. I don't love that guy. Okay. Well, he was one of yours. He's he's, still one of yours. He is one of characters in my in my uh, universe, (laughs) but he's not canon. Um, Oh, what I was going to talk about Mm -hmm. is yesterday in Los Angeles, we had a high speed chase. Right. I didn't see this with a Winnebago. And it was explain that to me. How high speed is this? Like, what is high speed definition? Because well, think about it in L.A. You can't fucking get anywhere over 35 miles an hour. So there was a Winnebago going uh, 55 up. I think it did a five one thirty four one seventy transition. Oh, you can't do that on more than 10 miles an hour the whole time. Well, this thing was flying up the freeway. I uh, saw it. Brandy Posey, our friend from the great podcast, Lady to Lady, she tweeted it. We've got a live one and then posted the <laughs> link. And I was at the mall and I pulled out my earbuds, no, sat down no, and watched didn't. the live feed at the mall because I was like, what? I did not know you were that kind of girl. I love a I love a high speed chase. And they worry me. I don't like them. They they're, worry me. They're worrisome. That's part of what I love. Like, I can't take my eyes off it. And. Steve and I were just talking about they're, they're, they happen in L.A. a lot yeah. because we've got a lot of freeways and a lot of action. But it turned out. So my my friend Dan Telfer, who's also a comic. So he's I like him on Twitter. He's hilarious. A lot. He's a great writer. Um, he used to work on At Midnight and he's just cool. And he's listened to us from the beginning. Thank you, Dan. And uh, and supported. So anyway, he got in. <laughs> what if he was unsupportive? <laughs> He's listened to us. Highly critical hates, of most of what we do. Hates us. <clears throat> no, he um, he get, he was in uh, mine and Brandy's conversation. Uh-huh. And then at one point sent the follow up article about what had happened. <gasps> and it's very dark because it's this guy who was a registered sex offender. Grabbing oh, sex with children under the age of 14. Stop it. And he was in that Winnebago with uh, his three year old son and 11 month. <gasps> old daughter they had been they were from i want to say they were from washington state or oregon state and they were down in san diego i believe and there and something happened and he took off with the kids Dude. and he was on the phone with his mother and his wife the whole time um and he got, ended up getting arrested the kids are safe he's a Everybody pedophile and he has a mother and a wife that's not fair i mean some people it's just about charisma i think it's like confidence if you just go into oh, situations you're creep. like i'm not the worst person that's also a sex offender yeah and you're just like hey and of course if you triangulate and you neg people you can get anyone and you people want believe what you put out there so it's like oh jesus it's about the energy and again it's about spirituality spirituality over religion <laughs> at all times um oh sorry can i do a sidebar absolutely for from that story mm-hmm. i had just gotten a coffee at starbucks in the mall and as i was ordering my coffee the girl i was talking to i saw her writing you know in starbucks they write your order on the on the dirty sleeve can i say before you say anything i know the other side of this story because she posted it on facebook oh that's then i was going to tell you the other side of the story because my friend vicky as i was shopping sent me what she posted oh okay so you're in okay so you're in starbucks you see a chick writing a thing down on the dirty (laughs) sleeve i see her and i'm like giving my order which is a little bit confusing what is it it's a double tall one pump mocha. Okay. So it's, it's people are always like, what? But it's like they put too much double. If it's that small, yeah. they put too you much. You want a double. You it. want it not that big because you Strong don't want that milk. And you want only one pump of mocha, please. Just a nice a suggestion of mocha. Right. Not don't drown me. Yeah. So she's writing it down. But I see that she does all the 
you know, M and one and all. And then I see her write SSD. <gasps> then she does a weird thing and then throws it away. <laughs> and I was about to go, wait, were you going to, and I was going to do the comp funny confrontation. Thing. Yeah. But then she, we, I don't know, something else happened. There's, it was, there was a lot happening. Yeah. So I didn't confront her. I thought it'd be funny, but there's a bunch of people in line, whatever. Uh, then, so in her new one, she just rewrites the order again and sends it. Then, the order goes through her boss. I'm standing over there waiting. And then her, she, the, her boss or the person making it. And I found it. It was her boss uh -huh. after goes, do you want whipped cream on this? And I said, no, thanks. At which she, which the person who was ringing me up already asked. And I said, no, uh -huh. but she didn't remember to put it on the second sleeve. Uh. So then she gets yelled at <gasps> for not putting it on the sleeve. And I was about to go again about to but didn't do it i was about to go oh no she asked me i just she you know yeah, yeah, like yeah. she did ask me that but then i was like i can't get involved then high speed chase i'm drawn away <laughs> then my friend vicky ernst who lives in new york that was the funniest part and was far away from me she said <laughs> she sends me a text that goes i don't understand what your life is now and then it's oh, the no. facebook post from rachel what does it say she says, I normally don't get rattled when a celebrity comes to Starbucks, <laughs> but it's L.A. and brag. it happens. No brag, no brag. No brag. Yeah, uh, now reading this sounds stupid, but she basically said, I lost my mind on the inside. My hands were shaking. That's not true. I didn't see any handshaking. I was so nervous. Tried to sneak an SSD GM on the cup, but couldn't. Worst of all, my supervisor chastised me in front of her. <laughs> Embarrassment level, 10,000. Well, that was my Tuesday. Maybe next time I'll be cooler. Rachel, you couldn't have been cooler. There was no indication on your face or anywhere that you knew who I was or anything to the point where when I saw you starting to write SSD, I didn't want to be the asshole who was like, are you writing my thing? So I just didn't say anything. That's how cool you were. So wow. don't worry about it. You'll be able to handle it. Yeah. When Next time, just give Karen a free coffee and it'll be fine. <laughs> Next. I always appreciate people who are just like, uh, like I'm not reacting to you whatsoever. But and thank you for calling me a celebrity. What a joy, Rachel. What a joy. <laughs> Between that and the high speed chase. Fuck. I mean, I had a power day at the mall. Power day. Power day. Um, can I say, can I do our power, a couple power tour quickies? Please. So we're leaving for fucking Europe on Saturday. I'm losing my mind. I'm so stressed out. It's very stressful. I cannot wait to be on that plane. I can't wait to be in the airport. Like, that's how excited I am about it. It's I can't wait to be in a fucking germ-ridden, disgusting fucking <laughs> airport. That's how fucking stoked I am. It's going to be so fun. I'm trying to... I'm trying to get all my pre-stress out now so yeah. we can just have the best time. Me too. It's going to be great. Um, okay, there's Oslo, you guys, May 9th. We need to see you there if you want to come. I don't know. <laughs> come if you want. I'm not trying to be like, you have to come. What's the thing that would make a some like a Norwegian? You know, we're going to be giving away free smelt. <laughs> Every cocktail comes with a free uh, shot of smelt. Some <laughs> You eggs. can have herring. Free. As much herring, you can bring it and you can have it. And then we just lose half the ticket sales <laughs> just now. They all get returned. They're like, fuck you, you racist asshole. <laughs> Amsterdam on the, those are the two shows that aren't sold out. So Amsterdam on the 16th, that's going to be a good show because we're going to have had two days to chill the fuck out. So like, we're going to be on point. That's right. You know what I mean? Like, we're going to have some fucking stories um, about tulips and buildings um, and, you know, houses 
and getting so stoned that we we laid on the ground right just kidding and then uh for our tour for the the our fall tour coming up in the u.s it's fucking like almost completely sold out except for portland on october 18th it's my sister's birthday come celebrate my sister's birthday important she won't be there lee um and then los angeles okay here's the thing we're doing a show on halloween at the microsoft theater and it's kind of like our biggest deal show we've ever done because it's the most seats we've ever had Mm -hmm. and then they can also keep opening up the theater so we can sell out more tickets it's kind of a big scary deal and i think our dude said that it's going to be like the biggest live show podcast ever in the ever <laughs> so that's scary and big we want to make sure people come they've already opened up it's one wing live podcast ever, ever karen We're gonna, there's gonna be so much sitting there's gonna be a lot of um i hope costumes you and i need to figure out what the fuck we're gonna go as yes uh, it's halloween <laughs> someone made a really good point of that like okay but parents can't go now because it's Halloween. (laughs) Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. So just like, if if your kids are young enough, they won't even remember Halloween. It's fine. I mean, I have friends, my friend Paul Danke, when I told him about it and he was like, will you put me on that list? And I was like, of course. And I'm like, but you have two young daughters. And he goes, I don't give a shit. (laughs) That's what I'm looking for in a person. Those are our people. Yeah, absolutely. So fucking Halloween in Los Angeles, it's going to be at LA Live, like at the microsoft theater where we had we just saw um, shen young shen young it's gonna be we're all we'll meet you at the yard house or we'll meet you at fucking what is there a fucking margaritaville there i don't know maybe <laughs> there will be by then we'll meet you there it's gonna be fun it's gonna be crazy and then atlanta on uh, november 9th that's not sold out either so that's an added show okay come yeah you have six months to sell that show out <laughs> <laughs> it's almost sold out so get your fucking tickets thanks um, and also just thanks everybody we know that this ticket yeah. thing has been crazy and some people have been you know there's been a lot of feelings and there's been a lot of uh fits and starts we want you to know we are so thrilled that you care yeah and it means the world to us we go out to all these cities and it's a lot of cities for us i know it's not enough but it is a lot of cities for us <laughs> it is and the idea that you that so many people want to come and watch us do this bullshit is very fun and we really really are grateful we, we for are. all that all that you go through we're very lucky we can't believe it also um if you're in the fan call when we leave for europe next week we're going to start posting exclusive videos from the tour we cannot promise quality no 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 but we will we will make them i think maybe that part of the allure will be we are going to look horrible. Uh-huh. It's going to be shot badly. Mm-hmm. But you're going to see Europe through the lens of our experience. <laughs> it's going to be real. And we want to bring you with us yeah. in, in the, uh, you know, lo-fi way that we do everything. Sure. It's, it'll be it'll be a learning curve for everyone. That's right. It'll be fun. I so would like join to- the, if you're a part of the fan cult look out for those videos yeah i think it's we will try to have fun with it and if you're not you you can go to myfavoritemurder.com and join and you get free shit with it it's cool that's right okay um i was just gonna say a quick corrections corner oh great i made fun of the posting that was on next the next door app lots of responses about the next door app hilarious i mean there is so much crazy hilarious stuff on there people posted some really funny stuff i made fun of somebody for posting raccoon in the daytime we immediately got a response (laughs) again 
I'm going to get better about writing people's names down. But day of, oh, for a second, I thought Stephen was holding up a cue card that gave me the person's name. Somebody immediately responded, if you see a raccoon in the day, they probably have rabies. <laughs> I love that we're, and then, and then I will go ahead and say, call the non-emergency uh, police number, not 911. No, do not call 911 if you see a day raccoon. But day don't raccoon. approach. Do not approach a day raccoon. You almost gave people rabies, Karen. I, if you got rabies, we want to hear about it. It's like Maury Povich. Do you have rabies and your boyfriend cheated on you? Kiva, if they're in the fan cult, is there a forum of what we've done, you, how we've done you wrong? Yes. We want to, we want to know. <laughs> I think that does exist, actually. Does it? Oh, shit. <laughs> hey, Karen, you know that feeling when you're stressed out and your heart starts to pound and your mind is racing? I do. I know it well. Well, while there's no cure for stress, therapy can help shape your response to it. And since May is Mental Health Awareness Month, there's no better time to try Talkspace. When you sign up for Talkspace, you'll receive a personalized match with a therapist or psychologist, typically within 48 hours. Forbes rates Talkspace as the number one online therapy platform, plus their licensed professionals are in-network with almost all major insurance companies. Once you meet your therapy goals, or if you want to cancel for any reason, Talkspace will provide you with a prorated refund for unused time. I feel like these days people understand the importance of therapy, but the difficult part is just taking that first step. It took me months to make my first therapy appointment. I was so scared. I had a lot of ideas in my head about it. And that's why I think Talkspace is such a good idea because making it so approachable will just get you there sooner. Then you can actually get in there, figure out what you need, talk to an actual professional and be on your way to solving some stuff that you might want to solve. To celebrate Mental Health Awareness Month and the power of talking it out in therapy, Talkspace is offering our listeners $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80. Go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and use promo code SPACE80. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and enter promo code SPACE80 and get $80 off your first month and show your support for our show. That's Talkspace.com slash MFM. Enter promo code SPACE80. Goodbye. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, and June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. Um, I think that's all my current business. I got nothing. Let's forget the fuck out of here. I got, <laughs> I got my hair dyed. I'm so excited. I got my hair dyed 
days before we leave on this trip so you. that I won't have gray roots during. It looks great. I fi- Thank you. I finally got the timing down. It's really hard. I get gray roots like th- every three weeks. So you have to, I have to like be on it. Um, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. How, I don't know how to. It wasn't a l- rich area. <laughs> Good thing we're now being sponsored actually literally by a hair, like a hair color company. I know. I'm fucking stoked. This is not a commercial. There's, see how there's no music behind it? This is not a commercial. <laughs> and um, we're not saying the name. No, and we yeah. were, no, this isn't free. Um, Stephen, who goes first? Well, last week was the Golden State Killer. Oh, but then right. the week before, Karen went first. Okay. All right. You want to do over or you want me to go first? I want to go first. You go first. Okay, great. All right, let me take a sip of my canned rosé. <laughs> is that what that is? It's a fucking canned rosé. I would have thought that was a Diet Coke, so oh. I don't have my glasses on. You can be a secret alcoholic this way. I love it. All right. How is that canned rosé? It's all right. They're not paying us, so I'm not going to tell you what it is. Perfect. You can get it at Trader Joe's. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. This is one that I hope you didn't do at a live show. Well, let's find out. <laughs> this is the lipstick killer, William Hirons. Hirons. What's that face? I'm trying to remember. I don't think you did. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> she answers her own question. Okay, great. It's you exactly a, how I did You did a to. lip bitey thing of, of like, it looked like a, I have something bad to tell you. You know but what I mean? Here's, here's how I can't tell anymore. Because we've gone to a bunch of it's, different cities. Yeah, here And is. we've looked up all these people. Yeah. And we've researched these people and then chosen not to do them yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So, so we didn't do it a bunch of, yeah, I don't think we did it. Okay, cool. And then there was a time before we, ha- Stephen was with us that we did Chicago, a couple Chicago shows. So I can't ask Stephen because he wouldn't know. I don't, f- fuck it. Fuck Listen, it all. Once our fucking biography comes out, then we'll. Well, and also, <laughs> William Hirons is a super famous, is that the correct yeah, pronunciation? Um, I've I've heard of him. And so, you've seen a million photos of this too. Okay. He looks there for old photos of him, he looks scary and you're like, Oh, that guy's a murderer because you've seen his photo a million times. Oh. Is he? We don't know. Let's oh, find okay. out. Here we go. Right. All right. The so the lipstick murders started in Chicago just uh after the end of World War Two. So World War Two's over, everyone's fucking stoked. It's like a great time in America, all this bullshit. Um so the first murder took place on so we're at June fifth, nineteen forty five. Forty three year old Josephine Ross is found dead in her apartment uh by her daughter. Her apartment's close to Wrigley Field in Chicago, obviously. Josephine had been repeatedly stabbed and then her body had been washed by the killer and all her wounds, this is fucking weird, had been covered with tape. No. So each of her stab wounds, so if someone was like, oh fuck, washes her, like that sounds like some serial killer shit, right? Yes. Washes her, covers each wound with tape and then places her back into bed. Um, her head had also been wrapped with one of her skirts, almost like can't look at your face time. Mm-hmm. But this is a time when they didn't have, you know, criminal profiling or like serial killer wasn't even a term yet. Right. Um, so and she had been washed, but her, the investigator still found a dark like hair clutched in her hand. Like Ooh. she had ripped his fucking hair out of his head as, she, as he attacked her. The blood spattered apartment, it had been ransacked, um, but they nothing was missing. And police found no fingerprints and no obvious motive. And they assumed that she had surprised an intruder, but nothing had been stolen. So... I don't know about that. Josephine's murder uh, at the time didn't even make front page uh, the front page news. 
Um, and at the time, there were five big Chicago papers led by the Chicago Tribune. And they all competed for circulation, especially post-war when less shit was going on. But it didn't even make the front page. About six months later on December... Crazy. I know, right? Yeah, that's super crazy. Also, just the, the detail alone of the tape. The tape. If that was in the newspaper, a million people would go right. crazy about, about that. Yeah. Nope. Nuts. About six months later, on December 10th, 1945, a 32-year-old woman, she's a stenographer and she's a former Navy wave, forgot to look that up, um, <laughs> who had served during World War II. Her name is Frances Brown. She's found slumped in her bathtub in her apartment at the Pine Grove Hotel in Chicago. Her She had been shot in the head and a but this is horrible. A bread knife had been driven sideways through her neck Whoa. with such force that the blade had emerged on the other side. Whoa. I know. Um, she was nude. And just like Josephine, she had been washed after being murdered. But he left her at the side of the bathtub for some reason. And her head was wrapped in towels. Ooh. So it was like kind of a similar thing. Um, and again, the apartment had been clear, had been wiped clean of fingerprints. But this time, someone had left a message on the wall of the apartment written in lipstick. And it said in like crazy person writing, yeah. uh, it said, for heaven's sake, catch me before I kill more. I cannot control myself. Do you want to see the photo? Yes, please. Okay, here you go. We'll put it up on our Instagram. <clears throat> this is like, Instagram. I love when any story is parallels the movie Seven. Oh, yeah. I it's just, exactly like that's, that. That's I didn't even I think about that. It. Okay, here's, it's like written like a crazy person. Okay. And we'll put it up on Twitter Ooh, and all the places. You know why? Can right. I just say? Yeah, because as a, as a handwriting analyst. Expert, yeah. It's combining capital letters, yep. lowercase letters, and cursive. Ooh, the cursive part's creepy. Cursive L's in oh, the yeah. middle of like a like a, a regular block. Yeah. Everything about this says, I don't know what the fuck is going on from second to second. Right, right. Or am I trying to make it look like I don't know what I'm doing from second to second? Oh, I guess that's true, but it's very effective. It is. I don't like a loose cursive L is very unnerving. Right. And is it some of the letters like fucking Toys R Us style, like backward and forward too? Toys R Us. You know what I mean? RS. Like corn style backwards yes. to upset you? Corn, yes. Uh, <laughs> it's oh, a, for heaven's it's sake. A, yeah. Read it because it's like, for heaven's sake. Uh, curly Q C catch me. So this C is like a, a basically a spiral. It almost looks like a lowercase cursive E. Yes, that's exactly right. Catch me. B four capital B capital F. Everything else lowercase. I kill. Kill is in unconnected cursive. Yeah, it's all crazy. It's written in fucking lipstick. The um and. And the press then goes fucking crazy for it. Also, no punctuation. And the other thing about this is that because at the time, women used the term for heaven's sake a lot. They thought it might be a woman who had done this. Oh. Which everyone was like, what are you fucking talking about? That's some, that's some poor theorizing. Yeah, everyone now is like, what the fuck? Okay. <laughs> so uh, this note earned the killer the name the Lipstick Killer by the media, of course, who are now obsessed with it because they have a catchy name and two murders that are uh, supposedly linked. Um, four weeks later. All right. So they're going crazy. They're like, who the fuck is this killer? We don't know. And at the time, it was kind of an innocent era and so uh people are locking doing the whole locking their doors for the first time thing 
Then four weeks later, at about 7.30 in the morning of January 7th, uh, 1946, in a wealthy section in the north side of Chicago called Edgewater, it was discovered that six-year-old Suzanne Dagnan was missing from her first floor bedroom. Whoa. Did you say six-year-old? So um. She's this little fucking sweet little blonde baby girl, young thing, um, is missing. Her window is open and a ladder is placed underneath it outside. So like someone had climbed in and taken her. Um, when they search her room, police find a crumpled note. And this is another fucking psychotically written thing that I have a photo for you. The note says, uh, tells the family to prepare two, $20,000 ransom, not to notify the police or FBI and to wait for a word from the kidnapper. But they didn't find it until after. Uh, so look at that fucking psychotic note. Oh, no. It's similarly written, right? Yes, it's kind of curly Q E's, and but also, but yeah. the E's are curly. I mean, it's an E, not a C. Like it, I, I looked at them and I tried so hard to like tell if they were connected or not. Ooh, that police tell. C is not the same. Yeah, I don't think it's the same. But it's still capitals and lowercase. It is. Yeah, it's still a fucking crazy note. But not like bills. The L's and bills are not. Uh, cursive they're they're yeah. not blending the cursive. to me that note seems like it was written by someone uneducated and the lipstick killer one looks like it was someone trying to seem crazy mm -hmm. so that's just my bullshit yeah this looks like someone who who doesn't who didn't who doesn't write well yes and it doesn't it doesn't look planned because it's no. so sloppy it's really sloppy it and looks messy. like it was hard to write yeah. right and words are misspelled too which the other one isn't okay so they find that note and then um on the reverse side is written burn this for her safety right okay so by the evening of her disappearance though um they received some uh they received some hang-up calls about ransom but they never they never like go through and they never give details. And by that evening, police receive an anonymous phone call suggesting the police look in the sewers near the Degnan residence. Mm -mm. Okay, this gets fucked up. Ready? Yes. Uh, only a block away from the Degnan home, they find the severed head of little Suzanne Degnan in a storm drain sewer. Jesus Christ. I know. This is 1940 fucking six. Like shit like this does not happen. This is Chicago? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's so awful. Then they find Suzanne's right leg in a catch basin. They find her torso in another storm drain mm. and her left leg in another drain. Each piece is found further and further away from the home. Like the person was just hiding them along the fucking way. And all the drains um, had cast iron manhole covers that weighed at least 110 pounds each. Whoa. Yeah. Is that heavy? That's heavy, right? 110 pounds? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can... It's like picking up a fifth grader. Okay. I can bench like... <laughs> pretty, you know. You could bench like a second grader. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's awful. I'm sorry. This is... This... The whole fucking city goes crazy. This is not... This does not happen. Little girls like this. Like adults, people can deal with it. It's not even front page news. Well, also, this is... The second you said this part, I think... It, I'm positive I've read this, but when it comes to something like when the details are that bad and gory, yeah. it's hard for us to do those at live shows because it's just so awful. That's why I was like, I bet we didn't do this because I would remember us talking about this because yeah. it's so quiet and sad and horrifying. 
Yeah. And it just like, you're right. It was that time where, because things were so, things were so, I mean, I feel like we are experiencing this societally, not to get too broad about it, but these days we all know everything. We're desensitized. Yeah. And we, and we're in it. We're in the mix, which I think is part of the reason this kind of true crime thing is like kicking up in the last 10 years so strongly is because it's like basically going, I'm not going to pretend anymore. This is real and it's happening. Yeah. And I want to pay attention to it. Yeah. But back then this was like the, the war is over, buy a car, buy a house, get a wife, have two kids. Totally. Be white. You can be whatever you want. Yeah. If you're, if you're white. white. And yeah. So and, it's yeah. that. And everybody's kind of locked and focused on that and not letting go of it. So this is a real aberration. And it's also the time. And, and I think you can't tell this story without making it that with making that a big part of it what you just said and also that you know it was of course the time even in fucking Chicago where children just walked around and were out all night or out all day did whatever they wanted there was (laughs) you know partying and (laughs) throwing dice in alleys right yeah but there was there was a lack of supervision because there wasn't a need for supervision because it was a you know a safer world supposedly supposedly a safer world and it was though but you know then something like this happens and it just changes the fucking landscape and but well yeah people can't tell themselves that lie anymore essentially is what it is right and worst possible way to do it exactly um so they they search an apartment building near the location where Suzanne's head was found and they uncover and uh, somehow this is fucking crazy that they found this to me but whatever a basement laundry room um and in there are tubs because it was like not I was like well what about why are there four tubs in there it's like oh no they didn't have washing machines right <laughs> it was a tub is the laundry room yes oh god um they find four tubs and uh in the drains uh they find blood oh no so they find they think that Suzanne had been dismembered there um the press began to refer to this as the murder room and that day, Chicago Mayor Edward Kelly also receives a note, and it says, this is to tell you how sorry I am not to not get old Dignan instead of his girl. So not to kill the dad instead of Suzanne. Mm. Like, I'd rather kill the dad. Oh, Roosevelt and the OPA made their own laws. Why shouldn't I? And a lot more. So this is what this means. At the time, Chicago was home to the largest stockyards in the nation uh, of meat animals and shit. <laughs> you know. Yep. Meat packing. Stockyards is all about steer. There you go. Yep. I'm from Orange County. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there was a nationwide meat packer strike going on at the time. And the Office of Price Ad- uh, Administration, so the OPA, was their enemy. That's who they were fucking oh, wow. striking against. Shit. Um, Suzanne Dignan's father was a senior executive with the Wartime Meat Regulation Board and had just recently, and so he was part of the OPA. And just recently, another OPA executive had received threats against his children. Fuck. Yeah. Also, a man involved with the black market with black market meat, which sounds just horrifying. I mean, no, but if you marinate it just right. <laughs> You can barely taste. It's good for your intestines. You want to really put some meat on your chest. Old rotten meat yeah. that's been sitting out. Yeah. So he, a, a man involved with the black with black market meat. So basically, a fucking what's it? Line crosser. What do they call them? Strike breaker. Line crosser. Scab. Scab. Had recently been murdered by decapitation. Oh no. Yeah. So police consider the possibility that the, the, Suzanne's killer was a meat packer. Obviously, seems 
to make sense. I mean, sure. About the dismemberment, the coroner's expert said, quote, not even the average doctor could be as skillful with the with the dismemberment. You know, Uh like those there weren't any hacking marks, that sort of thing. And then he said it had to be a meat cutter like everyone in town. And in this time of period is like stirring some shit up without facts, like everyone's fucking doing it, including especially the media. Well, again, I feel like the time that we that existed before the Internet existed, when you could immediately fact check that it was just a glorious time for us liars where you right. could just kind of say whatever. No one could check it. And if you were a person that was like talking to the media, so you're the mayor, you're somebody high in power, nobody would check it. Yeah. You you had, there was so much good faith. And the media and the fucking, this is the time when the media and the police were fucking besties. So the cops would want to like get some shit out to be like, we need to catch this person. Here's some information yeah. that could also not be true. Right. And it would be printed. Right. So so it was just a lot of bullshit. So saying that, whatever. Um, also, the perfect setup for like, oh, right. it's a meat packer. See, oh, they're, they? they're the bad guys. They're the oh, oh, you mean the working class guy? The the people that are that don't have a lot of money. They're the striking that- so that they could not work fucking seven hour seven hour days. <laughs> nope, <laughs> seven days a week. Yeah, you know. Yes, isn't that what they did? Okay. So all right. So then, with no direct evidence. And this is a time before Miranda rights existed, too. Really? Wow. Yeah. They're that recent? Yeah, I think so. Shit. Okay. We should find out about that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Statement. With no direct evidence, police police were like, you know what? Okay. The the janitor at the building where Suzanne lived, let's fucking get his wife to pressure him into confessing. Oh. He's a 65-year-old man named um, Hector Verbig. Verberg. Verberg. She's like, implicate your husband. And she's like, fuck no. What are you talking about? Still, the police told the press that this is the man. Like the police kept or the the press kept being like, we got our guy. We got our guy. Um, He's held for 48 hours of questioning, during which time he's beaten severely and had to spend 10 days in the hospital afterwards. Oh, shit. He said that anymore and he would have confessed to anything. So it's later determined that he is actually a Belgian immigrant so he couldn't even write english well enough to have written the ransom note he sues the chicago police department for fifteen thousand dollars at that time fifteen thousand dollars and he's awarded twenty thousand dollars oh they're like no 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 you're gonna get even more the people have spoken yeah so this is how poorly this investigation is going a month after suzanne's body parts had been found and after she had been buried then her arms are found Ugh. by sewer workers. Oh, so her body is no. buried without her arms. It's not a month until they find them. Horrible. How horrible is that? By April, 370 suspects had been questioned and cleared. And the press is starting to criticize the police's ability to catch Suzanne's killer. So they're, they're turning on each other. Right. And they're like, they've got the heat on them. Investigators say that they had found two partial fingerprints on the ransom note and one smudged fingerprint on the doorknob at the second crime scene. And that um, experts match the handwriting and fingerprint. They they linked everything together so that the two the murders of the two women who are so different in every way to the murder, the kidnapping and murder of Suzanne are linked. They say it's that they're all linked. Yeah. Which 
it seems impossible to me. It's almost just like these are the three most upsetting things that have happened in the city recently. Right. We have a so monster. Like, yeah. This sells papers. We're going to take care of everything at once. Yeah. I mean, it's a nice idea. Right. And it's like it's weird uh, evidence. Even if there were like the experts say that the handwriting matches, it's like that's clearly bunk science. We fucking know that now. And there, that's not that's circumstantial evidence. It's not true evidence. Anyways, in late June of 1946, police question this fucking creepy ass dude named richard russell thomas he was a nurse um at the time of the investigation no judgment on male nurses no 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 no. but he (laughs) has medical knowledge so he could ooh, he could dismember yeah at the time of the here's judgment time at the time of the investigation he's imprisoned in phoenix for molesting one of his own daughters oh so judgment so full judgment full judgment from now on um but he was in Chicago at the time of Suzanne's murder. And a handwriting expert, again, uh, says there's great similarities between Thomas's handwriting and the ransom note. Uh, and that many of the phrases that was used uh, in the ransom note, this dude, Richard Thomas, had used previously in an extortion note years earlier in an attempted kidnapping. Oh. So he fucking had tried to do it before and has similar phrases and writing. He pulled down his crime file and copy he was paste. like, what's my other <laughs> hand copy, hand paste? Right. He, he pulls out his, um, his like pre-computer, uh, what's it, font, murderer, serial killer font. That's right. Da, 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 da. Oh, and he had medical training as a nurse. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. So, and then during questioning by Chicago police, he totally admits to killing Suzanne. Oh. But he's, I don't know. I don't know about this guy. Anyways. Well, because we do know that the other guy got beaten for hours and was in the hospital. Exactly. So it could have been just one of those situations. Right. Grain of salt. So they think they have their guy. That is until authorities get a new suspect reported to the paper the same day that this Thomas dude is, uh, is happening they find out that a college student was caught fleeing from the scene of a burglary and that when cornered this guy had pulled a gun on police oh and at this time this dude this thomas dude had recanted his confession and police let him go so they're like this other guy must be our guy so let's talk about this guy 17 year old william herons hirons 17 yeah 17 william hirons is born uh, he was born in November of 1928, grew up in Lincolnwood, which is a suburb of Chicago. He's the son of, a, of poor immigrants from Luxembourg, and his parents argued constantly as a, when he was a kid, which made him just leave the fucking house and wander around town. And eventually he started uh, committing petty crimes like burglary just for fun. He said just to release tension, he would break into houses and steal shit <laughs> to release to yeah it's like all right bro but i mean have you ever heard of baseball or <laughs> making a friend by 13 years of age he's arrested for carrying a loaded gun which he had stolen from a fucking jesus Christ. yeah he's on a bad that's path. very bugsy malone it is uh, a search of his house discover they discover a number of stolen weapons in an old storage shed along with furs suits cameras radios and jewelries he had stolen he admitted to 11 burglaries uh, and was sent to school for wayward boys for several months but here's the thing he never sold anything he never stole for money it was almost just like he was bored and wanted to see what he could get away with and, and do yes yeah, the thrill of it yeah and he was poor 
but he still didn't like sell the camera on the street or anything like that. I think he still stole, stole money, but it didn't seem like that was his intent. He so he wasn't a cat burglar. He was right. he was like a weird break in peeping tom maybe type of guy. Yeah, I don't know about the peeping tom part, but just well, like, like a no, how about a nosy Nelly? A nosy Nelly <laughs> kid who just like yeah, who wanted to break bored. some rules and get up into people's business. Exactly. So he gets released and and then William Hirons is again arrested for theft and larceny. This time, though, he's sentenced to three years at a school operated by Benedictine monks. Uh Oh, no, that's what I thought, too. It turns out when he's at the school, he fucking flourishes. Oh, and it turns out he's smart as fuck. He's an exceptional student, excels in all kinds of crazy fucking subjects that I couldn't do. Like what? Latin? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Electronics. I don't know. At the time, I could probably do this. Electronics. <laughs> 1945. <laughs> you know. Put this wire here and that wire there. Use the phone. <laughs> You're now an electronics major. <laughs> <laughs> but he's super fucking smart. His test scores are so high that he gets uh, admitted to the to University of Chicago's Experimental School for Gifted Students. Oh. He's enrolled for a Bachelor of Science wanting to become an electronics engineer. So he can <laughs> use the fucking he phone. Loves that phone. Calling people all the time. Hello, it's me, Richard. <laughs> can you believe this shit? Ahoy hoy. <laughs> 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 Saying ahoy hoy in a business like voice is the best. Ahoy hoy. Ahoy hoy. I mean it. <laughs> right. So he, <laughs> he starts in the fall of 1945. He was 16 years old at this point. And he started at this fucking school. It's it, college. It, a college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Smart guy college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a little man Tate situation. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Congratulations, William Hirons. What happened? Yeah. Well, here's what happened. Okay. He, of course, couldn't afford any of this shit. So he worked several jobs, but he's also like, I'm going to go back to being a serial burglar because oh. it's fun and I can make money. So he keeps doing that. He kind of like lives this crazy double life. But at school, he's known as like a good dancer. He's handsome and charming. <laughs> he goes on dates and shit. Like people love, are friends with him and love him. He's pretty cute too. You want to see a photo of him? <laughs> see when you post a, a photo of him. <laughs> That's what some chick was like. There was like a dance. be him. Well, it was dance club so like it wasn't like they'd go dancing it would be like let's all learn how to like do the lindy, the hop, lindy and hop and shit like yeah. and this chick was like everyone wanted to dance with him because he was like charming and a good dancer and a good dancer right which Love is like it. it's the perfect cover. right that's not what we say anymore um okay now we're like oh he rides a motorcycle yeah exactly so the afternoon all right so da, 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 da. so the afternoon that he like cops are like maybe this is the guy he it's june 26 1946 he's 17 years old he goes to the post office to catch to cash a thousand dollar savings bond which he had purchased with the money from previous burglaries he had a date that night and he needed money that's why he was doing this he burgles then he takes it he buys bonds yeah he invests. Uh-huh. And then he needs the money to take a, a lady on a date. Which $1,000 for a date. I'm like, fucking take me out, bro. Where there he is. Look how cute he is. He has uh, your forehead. <laughs> he has a three head for sure. <laughs> no, it's just like a strong, hair, dark hairline Karen forehead. Yes. Kilgara forehead. Um, it, it Also, he has very great. He, great hair, great eyebrows, mm-hmm. good features. He, you know, he looks the first. You've got, you're getting texts, Stephen. I want to read those texts out loud so bad, Stephen. Don't you? Who, who would play him? Um, 
Rob Riggle. That's the first person <gasps> I thought of when I looked at that picture. If Rob Riggle, I feel like he'd have to be a little smaller, but he definitely has. Like, if Italian shorter Rob Riggle. Riggle? You know what we do? Rob Riggle. Riggle. We do a dwarf on golf thing where Rob Riggle stands on his knees. Totally. And then we shoot around it, you know. We just it, make it work. Yeah, we just make, we, we do a being John Malkovich kind of small down the set. He gets on his knees. We're off to the races. Okay. <laughs> I figured it out. I'll call some people. Great. I'll be there. <laughs> um, oh, and so he, okay, so he has $1,000 on him. He's like, fuck, I'm going to bring a gun with me. This is a lot of money. That's why he has a gun on him. Um, the He's making, listen, look, this guy. <laughs> listen. He's making bad decisions, okay? Yeah, consistently. He's, consistently. This isn't, before I fucking tout why he's innocent about other shit, he sucks. And like, he's doing some shitty stuff. Yeah. Because when he finds out that the bank is closed, he's like, well, I'll just rob a place real quick and get some cash for the state tonight. <laughs> so like, you're not, a, and you have a gun on you too. You're not the best fucking dude. Well, yeah, because if you're smart enough to go to college when you're 16 years old right. and be Mr. Gifted... We, but you're not, none of those, uh, abilities are applying to the, any other part of your life. Right. Or like, it's not even about being smart. It's just like, fuck everyone. Fuck everyone else. I want what I want. I'm going to take it. You yeah. Know, like you're stealing money from people who probably need that money too, dude. Well, right. And it's, yeah, that's all power moves and stuff where it's like that, that, you know, those breaking people turn into murderers because they right. don't give a shit. Exactly. And they're doing everything. It's like the thrill of it. And I'm, it's what I'm interested in. It's yeah. what I want to do. It's narcissism. Like there's part of you that wants to be like, well, you're 17. You're going to like straighten your shit out and be a good person, which I think a lot of people sitting in this loft have done <laughs> in their lives. <laughs> straighten your shit least out. Two, At least Steven. two of them. Uh, yeah, but, you know, fuck. Okay. I mean, it, it, yeah, he's so young. Right. But, okay, so he goes to burglar a place to get some cash. He goes to a place that had been stolen before, and it's just a few blocks away from the Degnan house oh. apartment. He's caught while trying to grab the money. This chase ensues, blah, blah, blah. He's cornered by the cops, and then he fucking pulls his gun. On the cops. Yeah. He doesn't shoot, but it's like, what the fuck are you thinking? Is he suicide by copping, maybe? I don't know. Okay. He's suicide by being 17 years old. He's yeah. suiciding by being a stupid fucking idiot. Um, and then there's like a, the cops gun jams or some shit. There's a scuffle. And then it turns into a fucking Laurel and Hardy or like Three Stooges pick because another cop grabs a fucking clay flower pot and smashes it over his fucking head <laughs> it says three of them like takes three fucking flower pots and smashes his it's fucking for real yes that's hilarious that's how he gets stopped from fighting with this cop he was stopped by officers tom and jerry <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly he goes unconscious they take him to the hospital he drifts in and out of conscious he says that he remembers someone saying that he's a suspect in the Degnan case and he feels his fingerprints being taken. Oh. Okay. They raid his houses and shit where he lives. They find all his stuff from his previous blurglaries. Blur <laughs> I'm calling them blurglaries A couple now. blurglaries? They were called blurglaries until 1950. They were just a blur of burglaries. <laughs> oh my God, yes. Blurglaries. Blurglaries. Karen, that was amazing. Thank you. Um, I'm really trying. A couple things that are re recovered are a scrapbook containing pictures of Nazi officials uh -oh. that, have, that he had stolen from a war veteran um, that was taken when he blurglered his place yeah the same night that susan dignan was killed uh oh which i want to fucking know about this dude who had that photo album like what a 
psychopath. Or did he liberate some for some French city Nazi occupied and then grab shit? That happened a you know lot. What? His name was Harry Gold, so I'm gonna guess you're right. Yes. <laughs> Harry Gold was on the right <laughs> Harry side, Gold I was bet you. Not a Nazi. Yeah, he Harry Gold's people came through uh Ellis Island. They're like, why don't we clip that berg off? Yeah. Let's move to Chicago, <laughs> act as white as we can. Oh, World War II, we have to fight Hitler. Let's go for it. Let's do it. Okay. Yeah. Harry Gold, I apologize for insinuating you were a Nazi. Um, also, Alas. what <laughs> the first Jewish Nazi? <laughs> uh, he wouldn't be the first. Who are you going to cast in that? Okay. Also, in his possession in Williams' shit is a uh, stolen copy of the Psychopathia Sexualis. Yes, from 1886. Reach it. It's the one. It's like the fucking. It's like the psychology of sexuality. Sexual psychopaths. Yes, sexual psychopaths. Yeah, right. You know who's read that book? Who? Mr. Steven. Oh, <laughs> Steven. <laughs> Sorry, Steven. He Sorry, never Steven. got past chapter one. I Sorry, Steven. <laughs> you played the fifth. You played chapter fifth. The fifth chapter. That's what's wrong and with him. He just starts reciting everything in the fifth chapter. Well, it turns out in Latin. <laughs> In addition, okay, blah, 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 they find that. And then they also find uh, a stolen medical kit. So, and they're like, oh, this is this shit, this dismemberment stuff? But it's oh. like, it's not. Um, he's interrogated. Okay, so then here's what happens. Then William is interrogated around the clock for six fucking days. He's beaten by police, refused food or water. He's not allowed to see his parents and or a lawyer. He's 17. Yeah, that's And not like, right. they beat the shit out of him. Yeah, they did. He's subjected to interrogation for three hours under the influence of sodium pentothal, which we know as truth serum, which we also now know is fucking bullshit and is not doesn't work Um, while under the truth serum. He like and it's like a psycho. What is it called? Sexualis. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like that. It's just like it. He like concocts this person like an alter ego named George Merman <laughs> who's the father Ethel's brother Ethel yeah. Merman's brother um, Eugene's grandfather that's right who authorized who it's basically like has this alter ego that makes him kill people whatever like makes it up on truth serum maybe and other people are like or did he make it up is he the killer is it true yeah you know what I mean um, and then the fucking media is like oh Merman must be short for murder man and then like just go with that it's just uh, so stupid I would have tabled that for a little bit longer yeah, yeah, yeah i mean like i understand why you're excited about that idea let's keep working sure not it. the worst but definitely not the worst and feel great about it like go move go forward with that but it's too uh it's too open <laughs> why aren't you just saying merman like a mermaid um on the fifth day he's given <laughs> Shit. with okay no anesthesia given Ugh. A spinal tap. No. Yeah. No, that's torture. Uh, Holy shit. Then they drive into police headquarters for a polygraph test, which they couldn't do because he was in so much fucking pain. And to this day, they still don't understand the reason. We still don't know why they gave him a lumbar puncture. They It was like for a reason, but nobody. But it's like they didn't write the reason down. No. Fuck. Well, sorry. They did that in a hospital and then drove him to uh-huh. police headquarters. That's Jesus the epidural Christ. too, right? Uh, no, it's no, di- no, I'm sorry epidural. before that, the, but it's still, it's right. stuff getting shoved into your spine. Yeah, They gave him that. That's okay. I hear that with, yeah. with, uh, 
anesthesia ladies who have had babies this is the most like when they have to fucking shove that shit in your spine you don't want a needle in your spine Mm -mm. i mean i don't i know i can be really controversial but i'm gonna fucking say it (laughs) you don't want a needle karen are you sure you want to leave this look leave it in steven how dare you oh my god all right when the polygraph is administered results are inconclusive uh they're declared inconclusive although the people and this is part of him being uh taken a trial but later in 1953 the people who had pub- had said it was inconclusive published the findings in uh, their book which i'm sure was just a fascinating read um <laughs> and they say that his test quote clearly establishes him as an innocent person so oh. like people are lying handwriting analysis said his writing is the same as the, the lipstick message and the ransom note they say that his fingerprints match the fingerprints on the smudge on the door jam even though it was a smudged fingerprint they say that uh it's it's uh his fingerprint there's also another fingerprint found on the ransom note that they say is his blah 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 after um being intermittently tortured uh, and held without food sleep or access for five days he is finally indicted for assault with intent to kill robbery 23 counts of burglary (laughs) jesus christ how's that canned rosé I wish I could blame it on that, but it I works. haven't had that much of it. Blurglary. Blurglary. And three counts of murder. Blah, blah, blah. He's transferred to the county jail. And his lawyer is, uh, who's hired for him is like, no, man, you're guilty. Let's figure Let's figure this out and keep you out of the fucking chair. Like, that's his plan. Wow. He said that he uh, all his plan. He thought he was guilty. His and that the burglaries alone, he would face life imprisonment. So he's like, let's just keep you out of the chair. Well, that guy's pretty negative for a defense lawyer. Are you supposed to be like over the top optimistic and fake it? In the real world, yes. Yeah. Um, so they ha- there's a plea bargain, a blargain, a plea bargain. <laughs> He's gonna if he if he pleads uh, guilty, he'll get a single life sentence, uh, and then but if he but then he refuses. All this shit happens where he like is like. I didn't do this. They're mad at him for saying that. And then finally, um, he's threatened with death penalty. If he, if the trial goes, if the case goes to trial, wow. he says later that I confess to save my life. So he sentenced ultimately to three consecutive life sentences for the murders. And, um, bah, 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 bah. okay. Then the handwriting expert recants in early January of the next year. And uh, said that the handwriting on the ransom note and the lipstick message had, quote, few superficial similarities and a great many dissimilarities. Okay. Doesn't matter. He's fucking already in prison. Yeah, too late. And then some que- have questioned the legitimacy of the lipstick note completely, saying that, quote, it wouldn't, it, would be, it wouldn't be out of the ordinary for a man to pick up a piece of lipstick and write the message with it. Basically, they think a fucking crime reporter went in there and was like, this story's boring and wrote the, li- the lipstick note. Yeah, but what's boring about a woman getting stabbed and having her wounds taped shut? That's a, that was the first murder. Oh, that's the note was on the second murder. Yeah. She wasn't boring either. Though. None of this is boring. It's not boring. Yeah. I but I mean, that's I, I, understand, I don't think that though. part's true, but I just don't. And I don't even know if those two murders are are even connected. The first two. But it does make sense because there was that it was the pulp era where it wasn't enough to have a murder. Yeah. You did. Ha- it was that sensationalism. Yes, exactly. You had to you had to have a nickname and you had to term things. Totally. And, you know, lipstick on the wall is like what's more upsetting and crazy. Also, 
also that's stolen straight out of Jack the Ripper. Oh, right. Write it on the wall and some weird writing of like, yeah. I'm crazy. And also it's the Jews who did it and all that stuff and make people run in every direction. Well, it's just, it, re- it reminds me of the case of the weepy voice killer. Mm. Remember him who calls and is like, make me stop doing this. I hate his fucking voice. It's so annoying. I was just talking to my friend about that. Oh, my God. Oh, and I'm not your friend? You're talking to me about it right now. No, I'm telling you oh, that right we're now. talking about it right now. <laughs> what if you just informed me when we were talking about shit? That's my new way of going crazy, where I'm like, we're talking now. Anyway, go ahead. I'm talking to my brown-haired friend right now. <laughs> go go ahead and keep talking about what we're talking about. Okay, I'm almost done, I swear. This is long. And no, I no, it's good. And I apologize. Um, people, oh, also, they're like, okay, the fingerprint that you guys found on the doorknob, that's a rolled fingerprint. Which I didn't know about this until later. Yep. Explain the move you just did. I just basically, it's the thing you see in every movie when someone gets booked at the police station and they roll, they put your thumb in the black ink and then they roll across a piece of paper. Exactly. Which a fingerprint expert's like, that's not how you find fingerprints. Yeah. You don't touch the door by going like, Ugh. do you know how many times I did this move and tried to, and when I heard that and was like trying to open a doorknob in the air to be like, would I do that though? But I guess I could do that, but maybe I'd roll it. Whatever. It's you can't a, do it, right? It's not a thing. It's just like not normal. Yeah, because you have to grip it. You have to grip right. it. So it would just be the top of your fingerprint. Anyways. So uh, William had been ed- eligible for <laughs> parole. What's going on? I don't know. <laughs> for near, uh, nearly every year since the 1970s, he's been eligible for parole. Um, the Center for Wrongful Convictions mounted a clemency campaign on the grounds that he had served longer than required and that the evidence used to convict him was unreliable. But... Uh, nothing worked. He just like, they wouldn't let him go. Wow. Constantly, this, these things kept happening. Right. In 2012, when he died, in 1980, nope. <laughs> Jesus. In 2012, he was 80, he was 1983 years old. Got it. He was 83 years old. He was the longest serving inmate in the Illinois Department of Corrections Shit. in 2012. He's the first inmate in Illinois to receive a college degree and he like learned all this crazy shit. He helped all these fucking other inmates with, uh, you know, he helped the fucking uh, library and the school system in the, in, you know, so we did a lot of good stuff in inside. Is there a school system in the jail? <laughs> now there is, but there wasn't. There's a grammar school and there's, <laughs> well, he helped them like get GEDs. Like yeah, the, yeah. you couldn't do that then. So, cause he was the first one to get his college degree. And he was in there basically as a child and right. he was super genius. So he's like, at the very least I can do is help other people. Right. So he helped. That's a good sign. Yeah, it is. That's not what I don't, I don't think most psychopaths think that way. Right. Right. So, um, all right. So Robert Wrestler, our fucking friend, who's the for- the former FBI profiler. <laughs> our fucking friend. <laughs> yep. Meaning we have, we're fans of him. That's we what I always mean when I say that. Yes. Our fr- he's our fucking friend. Our fucking friend. 100%. He's one of us. Robert Wrestler, former FBI profile, credited with coining the term serial killer, mindhunter dude. You guys remember him. So he was a nine-year-old living in Chicago at the time of those murders. And he says, quote, it changed the innocence of neighborhoods when where people had taken for granted that they could have unlocked doors and walk alone at night. Um, and it's those events that inspired him to become a criminologist, the lipstick murders. Wow. Yeah. The Suzanne's murder itself became a key element in his landmark theories about serial homicide. And they actually um, interviewed him. He and FBI profile John Douglas 
uh, interviewed him in prison. And John Douglas remains convinced that shoddy evidence, uh, shoddy evidence management, prosecutorial overreach and media frenzy led to false accusations with these horrible consequences. Wow. That's the lipstick killer. That's also every time I think of that, too, there's obviously like the idea of going to jail and staying there for the rest of your life is a nightmare and people live it constantly. And that's horrible. But there's I also always think somebody fucking got away with it and is sitting yeah. out there. They just went to a different town and did it again. That's what I was trying to look at is like, are there like it's so hard to find info on this, but it's like, are there any, um, you know, other murders that could be attributed what if he just went over to Boston and changed up his M.O.? That's what I was thinking, too. Something like that, where that's what I I mean. I do love that when things happen and, it, it, you know, luckily it's been happening lately, you know, to where we get the satisfaction of like they catch the Golden State Killer. And that means they have now solved Visalia Ransacker, right. East Area Rapist. And then all those, the you know, totally the original, what they were calling it the original Night, Night Stalker. That it's so satisfying that now I think about that all the time. What if they pull up this DNA yeah. thing and then it's just like, because they don't stop. They don't just no. stop. No, I I can't wait to hear more information about. I mean, I'm going out of my mind, which is why I had to stop fucking going on Twitter. Yes, of like, give me more information now. Yes, about uh, the Golden State Killer. Like, they know this about him. They don't. They, and there's nothing coming up yet. So I know, but I can't wait to know like why and what happened after 1986. You know. Oh, it's just crazy. Yes. What were the jobs were? I mean, yeah, we just want to know everything. It's so crazy. Well, one of the things that they said that made sense about, you know, when he was like, you had, you had to spend the rest of your life in prison. How awful would that be? But at the time, it uh, in 1946, if he did get sent to the electric chair, it would have been a matter of months. Yes. So they, now it's like 18 fucking years of appeals. It wasn't like that then. Right. So it's almost better that you know, at least he had this time to make something of his life, even if it was and help other people pretty shitty. He had a chance at getting out. It just never worked out that way. You have to hope that nowadays something would have happened, but to get him out, but prison reform, yeah, it's important. It is. It's so crazy. But then like, what if he did do it? Yeah, but I, I don't know. think he would have helped people in prison if he did it. That's not that's not a you can't figure that. That's like he was you so know, nice. It's, I never would have already figured it in its fact. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the same thing. If you're like, he was so nice. I never would have assumed Ted Bundy would have done this. It's ah, the same shit, you're thing. Right. You bundied me and you're right. No way, man. People who are fucking into books and reading and smart and helping other convicts aren't not aren't less likely to murder f children and women. But but you want them to be nice, smart people. Well, I just. <laughs> But it is that thing of psychopaths only do what's good for them. Well, what looks good for him is helping other people in prison. Except for, yeah, I guess that's true. And look how smart he is. How, how, didn't Ted Bundy yeah. get off on fucking guys coming and getting legal help from him in prison? Yeah. He was, that's how he fucking didn't get beat up and killed. You've convinced me. Yes. <laughs> I love convincing. Oh, hey, look, there's a spider on the ceiling. I just threw my head back what? in fucking happiness and there's a legit spider on oh, the ceiling. I, I left my glasses downstairs. Oh my god, Karen is coming closer to you. Yeah. There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound... 
means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com murder. And here's the important note, that promo code is all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level. That's shopify.com slash murder. Again, don't forget the code is all lowercase. Goodbye. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant? Like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of made-in products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made-in, made-in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. So somebody uh, suggested this on Twitter and I was positive I was going to write her name down (laughs) today when I was like, oh, I am going to do that one. She suggested. It's a theme. And she, yeah, exactly. And she um, suggested it in a terse way. Mm. So I imagine she's the kind of person that's going to be very pissed off that I took her idea and didn't give her name. Well, good. She said, have you guys ever done the blah, blah, blah case? I think you should. It was something like that. Uh. It was basically like, come on, get with it. Yeah. And I was like, that's actually a great idea. Thought I could look her up while we were sitting here. And my Twitter does a thing sometimes where it just won't go back very far. Mm. So I couldn't look it up. So full apologies. Hopefully I'll hear from you. Email Twitter first. Tell them Um, to fix their shit. Let at Jack know to stop letting Nazis run free on his website. And then that we need to be able to go back a couple days. Right. Just for the podcast. Or like search a word. And okay. You know what? Also editing. It would just be nice to get one more pass before you send your ideas out. Anyhow, guys, this I am going to do the crime of the century. <gasps> the kidnapping of the Lindbergh baby. Girl, I'm a, I'm applauding you, but I would scare Elvis who's sitting on me right now. Yeah, don't worry about it. Also, it's not my applause. It's this girl's whose name I'm not this saying. This girl. 
This You're amazing. Girl, oh, also, I... Uh, woman we should be saying woman right. we don't know i actually could be misremembering and i'm just attributing like a feminine aspect to like whatever picture maybe she humans. had long hair who knows humans we're going to that human is going to let us know um just how pissed they are about not getting credit for you know a case i, I also can't believe that we haven't done yet yeah and as i was doing it Part of me was like, what if George has done this? And I was like, yeah, at this point, I just don't care. I just want to do what I want. <laughs> I think that, yeah, I think that's our new, our new theme is, did, did she do this? I mean, let's just start repeating stories let's and retelling purposely. them and just do better each time. Oh my God. Less yes. and less corrections corner. Love it. And then in like seven years, we're going to get to that journalistic level. People have been wanting us to be at uh -huh. this whole time. No, we're not. Never. I, and then we'll give up on the podcast. Um, yes, that's then we'll quietly walk away in the night. Yeah. Cause you know how quiet we are. We'll yeah. Walk away. <laughs> uh, so I got all this information from an episode of Nova. Oh, thank great show. fucking God for PBS. that. PBS. Baby, it's like, and you can get an education for free on PBS. Um, and the funniest thing is this episode of Nova featured John Douglas, FBI profiler Shut John up. Douglas, who you just mentioned. He's the main, basically, they pulled John Douglas all the way through of going, the Lindbergh baby case was and murder was presented in this way, and they got to this conclusion, John Fuck. Douglas doesn't agree. John Dougie, that's so what we call him. You he's know. in there with his super reasonable face. Our friend. And his glasses, holding his glasses in his teeth. <laughs> Our friend of the show, John Douglas, solving problems. It's very, very cool. So that's a good, that episode of Nova you can get on iTunes. Or you can hear I'm. it right now. Or Karen you can hear me retell it word for word. Although it's not an exact I survived word for word steal as I usually do. Okay. Because there's another, there's a Netflix series called Conspiracy Ooh. that um, is good and I got and they do the thing where they do it's a compilation so it's like three stories uh, in each episode so you don't and get this bored. one what's that so you don't get bored yeah they keep it moving um and this one is it, the episode is disappearances it's mm. also uh the other I can't remember what the third crime is but the other first crime in that is the Lord Lucan oh um, you did that guy disappearance yes I did do that I love it loving it so here we go here's a little backstory for you of why anybody cared about uh, Charles Lindbergh in the first place. <laughs> On May 21st, 1927, a 25-year-old U.S. airmail pilot named Charles Lindbergh touched down in an airfield outside of Paris, France, in his plane, the Spirit of St. Louis. Mm -hmm. When I read that name, I'm like, oh, that's what that is. What? Like, you know, the Spirit of St. Louis. Oh, yeah. Like, if you had asked me that, I would have confused it with the Spruce Goose. Uh-huh. I would have, you know, maybe I mean? an Amelia Earhart situation. Exactly. Just, I but at least you know it's a plane. We know it. Maybe it's a plane, or but now we know exactly. That's Charles Lindbergh's wonderful plane that got him. He was the first man to ever make the nonstop flight from New York to Paris. Oh. It was thirty-three and a half hours. It Jesus. was thirty-six hundred miles. <gasps> Is that like in one of those planes that doesn't have a face either so it's just like wind in your <laughs> no, face no a biplane <laughs> i'm pretty sure it had a face on okay. it although uh, i why would i why would i say that if they were two years in why would i fucking say that because you're not gonna start now with not knowing shit i look Listen. my brain shows me movies and that's reality <laughs> to me and i just report to you yes my brain or no. shows me movies and that's real and that's my reality i love it um 
It was uh, 33 hours. We complain about four or five hours to New York City. 33 hours and 33 hours alone. Oh. And all all day, all night. And all you hear is oh, the whole and time. He couldn't bring a bunch of extra oh, shit. Stephen's on the. Oh, pl- Stephen's got it. The plane. And do you know? Thank God, the spirit of St. Louis is uh, closed in the front. Thank all God. Right. But I bet it's loud as fuck still. Oh, the whole thing. It looks like a big aluminum can. No temperature control. No toilet. No. It was freezing. You know, he was peeing in an old Pepsi bottle. <laughs> I mean. Throwing it over, overboard. <laughs> Throwing it overboard for the first time in in human history. Okay, so um, he when he sets down in Paris and he does this thing. So uh, uh, just to give you a little, ooh, did that fucking? Huh? God damn it! I cut and pasted it and then lost lost this piece of information. Okay. But like six other people had tried to do this uh-huh. and three of them died. Dude. So this wasn't a thing. This was not, um, this was something because it was, there was a prize. It, it was, um, these people said, whoever does this first gets $25,000. Jesus. So lots of pilots and different people were, um, were uh trying for it and it's really hard and some people like had to ditch out and whatever but like people lost their lives trying to make this flight so when Lindbergh landed in this airfield outside of paris Mm -hmm. he was immediately an international superstar he was the most famous man in the world he got carried around the people that were waiting at the airstrip he never had to walk again he never walked again his feet became curled and atrophied (laughs) no um they they said they held him this is on the wikipedia page they it, they carried him on their shoulders for over a half an hour jesus he's like i've only wanted to touch the ground for the past 30 hours <laughs> the first three were great put me down yeah he's like this is the exact position i've been stuck in for 33 hours all right so he he gets the nickname lucky lindy um gets that 25k he Get also it. gets thousands and thousands more for all these promotional oh fees. yeah i bet because the pepsi bottle it's pepsi company <laughs> pepsi's like we want that bottle yeah um but apparently this really opened up aviation in general but also for air mail so oh. he was the guy that kicked it open over like fedex and everything yeah. where it's like you want you want to get something to europe we're doing now we're going to be able to do that yeah um and that was kind of what the whole contest was about okay was to to kind of focus on aviation but then like you know opening up so that suddenly people were thinking you know business in terms of aviation i don't know what i'm talking about okay <laughs> He was uh-huh. he given the Medal of Honor, uh-huh. which is the military's highest award. Uh-huh. And he was given uh, he was Time Magazine's first ever man of the year. Wow. And still the youngest to this day. He was 25 That's years old. So young. Yeah. And he was kind of hot, too. Well, do you know who he looks like? Who? Do you mind pulling up a picture of Mr. Charles Lindbergh at age 25 when he made this flight? Don't tell me until I see it. Okay. Who is We're gonna, I'm going to show you a picture. Okay. You're going to tell me who you think this man looks like. Was, now, was please, he, take your time. <laughs> I'm just killing time while Stephen finds it. Was he tall? He looked tall he in was all tall. photos. Yes. Okay. He was tall. He was blonde. He had a dent in his chin. Love it. He <laughs> was, his coloring was very like caramel, but with blonde hair, which you know those people. I don't care. Those people Let's always win. Let's just tell me. They always win. Well, he, let me pull up. Oh. 
it's such an old t- man of the year um thing that it's illustrated that's how oh, long ago this story cute. took place come on oh, i'm sorry Mama. i did this no no it's okay because why don't you look at this picture and tell me oh hello handsome who you think this looks like well i'm gonna get this wrong no you're not he looks he definitely looks like he's in a brit pop band from the 60s in this photo (laughs) doesn't he yes does he look like god he's hot uh tell me Paul Holes. Look at the face of it. He does look like Paul Holes. He does Holes. look like Paul Holes. This is the Holes episode. I, well, let's just work all this Paul Holes stuff out now. This is the Holes upon Holes upon he, Holes it, episode. <laughs> okay, so. He does look like Paul Holes. So Lindbergh being the most famous man in the world and like he's being he's being brought everywhere he's like he's being feted in this really intense way mm-hmm. and he's making a ton of money Good for him. they said that for everything that kind of he got paid for around that flight he made like almost half a million dollars jesus um t- in today's money okay so but still dude a lot a lot of money on, i'll take today's then. money half a million for fuck's sake <laughs> it's pretty nice uh so that he gets a financial planner a financial consultant from jp morgan mm-hmm. so like big company and uh, it's a big company, did you know? And um, <laughs> the planner's name is Dw- Dwight Morrow, and he's also the ambassador to Mexico. What the uh, fuck? He was, you know, this was when they gave important job, a ton of important jobs to one white guy. <laughs> um, it was the twenties. So when Morrow uh, invites Charles Lindbergh to come on a goodwill tour of Mexico because he's famous and everyone loves him. Mm-hmm. Well, just by chance, Morrow's daughter Anne is down there oh. and they meet and they fall in love. Oh, rich people falling in love. Rich, good looking people who have their own planes fall in love all the time. They deserve everything. <laughs> <laughs> they deserve to fly. <clears throat> okay. He teaches her how to fly. Oh. I bet he does. Yeah, girl. And then he teaches her how to... I don't know. (laughs) Love. Um, They get married, immediately start a family. Charles Lindbergh uh, was very vocal and verbal, insulting or criticizing, I should say, other uh, pilots of the day. There was lots of, you know, pilots like it's the Amelia Earhart era where it's like being dashing, being, you know, being a pilot was a big deal. He was a trash talker. He was because he said that Air Force cadets and pilots of the day, they were all, f- um, they were, had facile attitudes about women. Oh, how and dare you? How dare? Whereas he believed the ideal romance was stable and long term with a woman with keen intellect, mm. hey, good health, whoops, <laughs> and strong genes. <laughs> Oops. Oh, so you're a Nazi. Uh-huh. Good one. Good eye. Um, his, quote, experience in breeding animals on our farm Uh-oh. taught him the importance of good heredity. Of good breeding. Oh, dear. Hey, Chuck. No. No, no. It don't work that way. Okay, so that's just a little, that's your, that's your um, foreshadowing. Okay. So let's go to the crime. This is 1932. They, uh, uh, Anne and uh, Charles Lindbergh have been married um, and they now have two kids and newborn and their baby Charlie their first son who is two years old on March on Tuesday March 1st 1932 um, the family staying at their as yet 
unfinished new house in Hopewell, New Jersey, or right outside of Hopewell, New Jersey. Uh-huh. Um, they only visited this house on the weekends. They were they were living full time at Ann Morrow's family estate called Inglewood. Um, oh, Inglewood, rich people, <laughs> yeah, represent. Um, so no one except for the family would have known that they would have been at this house because they. They were full-time living at the Inglewood estate, but they would come to the Hopewell house and live there just for the weekend, just for fun of like, this is going to be our new house. Um, There was, of course, full staff at both houses. Um, So sometime between 8 and 10 o'clock on March 1st, um, one or more, they're still not sure, kidnappers, um, lean a homemade folding ladder. So it's a ladder that has three pieces that like slide oh. into each other, uh-huh. an extending ladder, I guess, but it's homemade. Um, lean it up against the wall of the house underneath the baby's window. <gasps> the window's unlocked. The um, kidnapper breaks in, grabs the two-year-old. Um, they say, they theorize that they subdued the two-year-old somehow because no sound was made. Yeah. No one in the house heard anything. Everyone was still awake. What so it's not like fuck? everyone was asleep and the yeah. baby was stolen. Everyone's up and awake downstairs. Um, the baby doesn't make a sound. They go back out down the ladder and off into the night with Charlie. And uh, they leave a window, a letter on the windowsill. So there's another ransom oh um, demanding $50,000 to be dropped off at midnight at a local cemetery on April 2nd. And they warn not to contact a pol- the police or they'll kill the baby. So, um, basically, Charles Lindbergh takes over this case. Now, it, it seemed to me that what they were kind of insinuating in both of these specials is that Charles Lindbergh really kind of believed he was the shit that the world was saying that he was uh-huh. for, for making that, uh, that transcontinental flight. He was cocky. The transatlantic flight. Yes. He, some people believe he was a narcissist, um, you know what whatever but but essentially once this started happening he didn't trust anybody he didn't Uh trust the police and he basically told everybody how it was going to go and in doing so fucked up this investigation that then also some people afterwards kind of theorized maybe he was doing it on purpose oh my god so there's there's suspicion cast but he basically told the police like we're gonna make this ransom drop you will not tail anybody you will not follow them just do it yeah but but we're going to do it and so the police said okay fine just let us let us organize the money the cash that you're gonna drop because what the police wanted to do was um essentially they're using uh Gold. It was like the gold stand. There used to be bills that were like it was gold standard money. Yeah, and they were beginning to phase it out. But they were like, if if we just use only money with these serial numbers, it'll be easier to track what if these people try to spend this money after the fact. Right. So they put together fifty thousand dollars. They put it in this wooden box. Now, of course, when the kidnapping happens, it's it's everywhere. It's the hugest story in the nation and remained. So, of course, it got even worse after. But yeah, it's the hugest story. So when they know that there's a kidnapping and there's a ransom note, a retired school teacher named Dr. John Condon, who idolized Charles Lindbergh, puts an ad in the paper saying that he volunteers to be the go between and make the ransom drop at the cemetery. No, don't trust him. Lindbergh and the kidnappers both say good sounds good 
So then what now is this world? You have to see it in the in the Nova special. The Nova special is really good because it has so much footage. It's so crazy. I love it. There's footage from there's footage from the trial. Like it's Jesus. it's intense. Yeah. But this old guy, it's just another one of those things where like it's a guy in a three piece suit. So everyone went, yeah, do whatever you want. Come on into this thing. And he is a blowhard. And he, you know, they say he had good intentions, but he made himself. He's one of those people. He is like looking for the spotlight. Opportunist, yeah. yeah. Um. So, um. Basically, he goes. Uh, he goes to the cemetery to make that drop. And he hands over a box full and it's a wooden box full of $50,000 in these special bills. And he exchanges that for a note saying where baby Charlie can be found. The kidnappers take the box of money. They give the note. They disappear. And the information in the note turns out to be incorrect. So it was all of that was for nothing. Yeah. So they still don't have the baby and the kidnappers have gotten away scot-free. Yeah. So, <laughs> you saw it coming? <laughs> yeah. So, six weeks later, on May 12th, a truck driver driving from Princeton to Hopewell pulls over because he has to use the bathroom. He walks into the woods a little bit. No. This is five miles away from the Hope Lindbergh's uh, Hopewell estate or home. Um, and this truck driver finds the de- de- decomposing body of Charlie Lindbergh. Um, and the police and the coroner and everybody determine, eventually determine the baby was killed the night that he was taken. Ugh. So it turned out that he had, his skull was fractured um, uh, on one side. And then there was a hole in the other side of the skull, the oh. opposite side, kind of um, back by the ear. And so the police report said that the officer that went and tried to um, get the body, uh, you know, like pull the remains out of the mud uh-huh. had used a stick and they, the officer <gasps> thought he had poked a hole through the skull with the stick. But in this episode of Nova, um, there's a man named Dr. John Butts and he's the North Carolina chief medical examiner. John Butts. John Butts. He's a retired medical examiner, but he's also an expert on the death of suspicious death in children. Oh my God. I want to talk to him forever. Right. And he's so, I love when those guys come on and they're just like, nope. And it's basically, he's saying you could not the way, especially children's skulls are, you couldn't poke. There's no way to do that. And so even if, whether or not this person was just simply mistaken and freaked out or they were trying to mislead, he believes that the original wound, oh, oh, because the theory was from that, the theory became that when the kidnappers were coming back down yeah, that ladder. This this story has stuck this part, I know, and it fucking is horrifying. Yeah. They think, they thought at the time the kidnappers were coming down the ladder with the baby and dropped the baby. Or and fell th- forward at the, because wasn't one of the ladder rungs broken? Yeah, this ladder is the ricketiest, dumbest looking thing you've ever seen. Yeah. It's truly like if we went and made our own ladder. I mean, anything's possible with a homemade three-tiered ladder. <laughs> yeah. Insane. And when you see this thing, and you can see it in the Nova thing, it's like, it doesn't even make sense. But the problem is, with that theory, the fracture, that only accounts for the fracture right. on one side. Right. 
And it doesn't include just the baby had more injuries than that. Uh, and they, I think probably maybe in the hopes of simplifying, but basically they weren't taking into account. And so Dr. John Butts was like, that baby must have been laying down and there is a blow to one side of the baby's head, mm. which caused the hole by the ear. And the pressure of that caused the fracture on the other side. Oh, that's God. that's his theory, personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No buts about it. Is that his TV show? Ah! Uh, and then he just goes through and is talking about horrible child deaths. <laughs> Everyone's like, wait, I thought this was... He's cute. like, and this is how it went. And there's no buts about it. And everyone's <laughs> crying. I don't want to talk about this anymore. Two and a half years after the body is discovered... It basically goes cold for a little while. Yeah. A man in New York State buys 98 cents worth of gas, but he pays with a, a $10 gold certificate with, uh -oh. with this old money. Yeah. And the attendant cites it and writes down his license plate number, not because he knows it has anything to do with the Lindbergh kidnapping, but he knows that money's that currency is going out of um, use. Mm -hmm. And he wants to make sure he writes the license plate number down because he wants to make sure he can get a hold of that guy <gasps> if the bank doesn't take his money. What a crazy world to be living in that, that cur certain currency is going out and not going to exist anymore. Can yeah. You, like imagine just living it. Like, it's so old timey. It is, but... It all looks exactly the same. It's the same design hmm. as modern money. Mm. It just had yellow, like gold things on it. I, I don't, I didn't look up what the gold standard was. I didn't, but you know, if you're interested in currency or the U.S. mint, I urge you to <laughs> take a tour and educate yourself. I can't do it all. Um, so the cool thing is then he immediately calls the bank. The bank recognizes that it's on this list of the Lindbergh um, ransom oh, money and they call the police. So <laughs> why do I think I can hold a huge cup of coffee and do this at the same time? So that license plate is tracked back to a car that belongs to a man named Bruno Richard Hopman. Um, Hopman is a German immigrant carpenter who lives in the Bronx. Mm -hmm. And when the police uh, search his home, they find... Um, a little less than $14,000, which is exactly two thirds of the ransom money. No way. Um, I'm sorry. One third of the ransom money. Got it. That's what I thought. Yes. Um, 50,000 half is 25. Yeah. A third. I wrote two thirds. Well, the other that's, person has two thirds. Right. It's the non. That's what you meant. It's the third. That's not the two thirds. <laughs> Exactly. And that's what I'm trying to say. Um, <laughs> he has he so basically he has the money with the serial numbers in his house. He also has a handgun. They're like, it's this guy. Mm -hmm. um, then they look up that he has a criminal record where he's from in Germany. He had two arrests, one for climbing up a ladder into the second story window. What? To break into the mayor's house. Shut your fucking face. To break into the mayor's of house. Germany? To the whole mayor of Germany. Um, <laughs> and the other crime mm -hmm. was for, um, holding up two women who were pushing a baby carriage. Dude, you're like, it's like yeah. a map. It's, it's a map and it's like, here's one thing I'm not afraid to do. Right. Here's this other thing I'm interested in doing. Also, I love ladders. Also, God damn it. I love to make a ladder. Uh -huh. Now on that very topic, if you picture, so this ladder needs to be tall enough to reach a second story window. Yeah. So it's like he made a normal ladder. Mm -hmm. Then he made a slightly smaller ladder that would slide up within that ladder. Mm -hmm. 
and then a third one. Mm-hmm. Like that's how rickety and janky this ladder was. I wouldn't claim that <clears> thing. And they find mm-hmm. that the third uh, section of this ladder, there's a piece of it that's made from yellow pine. And when they look up into Richard Hopman's attic, the floorboards of the attic are made of yellow pine. Dude. They pull that shit down, they pull that piece of the ladder off, and they match no. it exactly. So it's one more piece of like confirming evidence that this guy was there and had something to do with it. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Also, the bottom legs of the bottom part of the ladder broke, and that's that's what led them to that um, theory that the baby fell and and cracked its head. Okay. Because the the part of the later ladder that he left there, um, the bottom legs were broken. Okay. Or had cracked. Is rickety as shit. It's like why even? Yeah. Just get four people to and climb on their backs. It would be safer. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> okay. So all of that, all of that t- combined, um, m- gets, uh, Richard Hopman arrested on September 19th, 1934. And talk about this, like how it all went so fast back then. And there was no, but also the world was watching this yeah. crime. Yeah. I mean, th- that when that baby was found dead, they said, the the nation hadn't mourned like that since Lincoln was assassinated wow. and didn't mourn like that again until JFK was assassinated. Right. It was like ev- this was everybody's baby and yeah. they, it was this hero, this American hero's child. Yeah, but we still have the it's it's almost why we have, you know, um appeals and shit today is because you didn't have that back then. Yeah, just fucking killed Ethel and Julius Rosenberg out out the fucking bat yes they were their solution to everything was just okay great kill him we get we solved it now now we don't have to do this paperwork kill them before they ask any questions about what happened yes quick kill quick beat them for 10 hours and then kill them as quickly as possible they uh confessed kill them everything's quick (laughs) okay so uh he stood trial january 2nd 1935 uh and he's found guilty uh, on February uh, 13th of the same year and given the death sentence. Now, at one point, he maintained his innocence throughout the whole time, including when the cops were like, if you give us the names of your co-conspirators, mm. we will reduce your sentence. We'll make sure that you don't get the death penalty. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he, he just maintained his innocence and didn't give any wow. names. So on April 3rd, 1936, uh, Bruno Richard Hopman is put to death in the electric chair oh by the God. state of New Jersey. Yeah. So <clears throat> now there's all kinds of theories, of course, about this uh, murder. That was it. So that case closed. Case closed. They got the guy. And and you can see in this Nova special, they have clips of him on literally on no. the stand during court and the lawyer is yelling at him so loudly like there's no microphones obviously yeah. it looks like he's just sitting in a chair raised up above everybody and the lawyer's like and do you tell me and he's like yelling the place is packed it was a total zoo like that it the the circus. surrounding circus. area was packed with like thousands of wow. people going, just being at the courthouse every day. It's super crazy. So yeah, they just wanted it over. They were just like done. Yeah. And they were like, oh, he's, he's doing the thing a guilty person would do, which is like, no, 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 I didn't do it the whole time. And yeah, like even the, the phrase, the Lindbergh baby, like that was like, it was a huge story. It was, it was a huge story and people wanted 
someone to pay. Yeah, yeah. This was a this was like this tragic thing that seemed unnecessary and they wanted someone to pay. Got it. So here's the theories. Of course, the first and strongest is that he didn't act alone. Nobody thinks he acted alone. The lick the <laughs> the liquor the ladder was too rickety mm-hmm. somebody needed to hold that stupid thing from the bottom because <laughs> yeah. it was like <laughs> the dumbest ladder of all time yeah um once he got inside there's a baby that would make noise so you have to have you know they're gonna have to subdue that baby somehow yeah. Uh, and then they have to get back out and back down the ladder holding it still. Nothing about it just couldn't they just don't see yeah. how it could be done by one person. Yeah. Um and there's just so much organizing and and you know stuff to do. Also later they do handwriting comparisons. There were 15 overall. Um l- the police don't know officially because Lindbergh was like you don't get to be a part of this. Mm-hmm. But there were 15 different ransom letters that were written. What? Yeah, they they communicated a bunch and you know with the old retired school teacher Lindbergh yeah. they were masterminding all of it. And at the time and in court they proved the handwriting expert at the time proved that it was Richard Hopman's handwriting on all the letters. But of course, modern day and in this episode of Nova, they're just like, yeah, it is inconclusive. And it's that super cool modern handwriting uh-huh. analysis where they're taking the, you know, like two letters that always get written together, like a E and a T uh-huh. or whatever. And then they're showing how they, it's like all percentages. It's very scientific and exact of like, this matches this doesn't because of course in every letter a couple things match and then yeah. and then some things don't so it's all total like percentages yeah. and by and the numbers it depends on what letters are written before and after them and and, and what where they place in the in the word right i love that shit yeah it's very cool and you can kind of see that they it doesn't match yeah you know from a distance but they needed it they needed it to be at the time so um so they believe that other people were involved also they because of how many things had to go right with a kidnapping like that they believe that it was somebody that worked on the staff in one of the houses oh, shit. it was an inside job oh shit and they believe that uh this is a, a man named Lloyd Gardner who's a professor at Rutgers and he has this is his theory and it's a very strong interesting theory strong strongly interesting um so it's his theory that it's there was somebody inside the house that was helping set it up and uh um, they're the only, also the only other people that would have known that the Lindbergh family would have gone to the Hopewell house because yeah. they were full time at the other house. So that's like very few people would have known that would have known to go to the unfinished house that they didn't live in yet. Right. Um, the police interviewed a servant who worked at the Inglewood um, estate named Violet Sharp, and they interviewed her twice. She gave contradictory stories between the first and second one. Mm-hmm. When they went back for the third interview, um, she runs upstairs, drinks silver polish, what? and dies within minutes. Oh, that sounds chill. She just immediately commits suicide. Oh, my God. So then that's very suspicious, right? Yeah. And it's like, well, something's going on yeah. in this household. Okay, so Lloyd Gardner's theory, and then maybe other people's too, and this pulls in some dark shit in Charles Lindbergh's life. He had, okay, so Charles Lindbergh had a sister who died of heart failure. And he started, he was... um a researcher, he was an inventor, he did a bunch of other shit just besides being in the uh like 
he was in the air force and being a pilot and all that stuff. He did a bunch of other stuff too. He started working with, um, a Nobel prize winning scientist named Dr. Alexis, um, Carroll. And Dr. Carroll had won the Nobel prize cause he did all this work in vascular surgery. Uh-huh. And so Dr. Carroll, um, Lindbergh went and worked with him as a medical engineer because they were trying to figure out essentially how to build um, a heart pump to uh-huh. keep people alive if they if they had heart failure. Uh-huh. And that's that's the work they did. But the work that they that people didn't know so much about is that Dr. Alexis Carroll was a huge proponent of eugenics. Oh, dear. And if you don't know, eugenics was this uh, kind of pseudoscientific belief that got very popular in the 30s in America because of this doctor that um, we that human beings should be breeding um, to make uh that basically genetically superior people are the only people that should reproduce a master race. Yes. And that we should sterilize anybody who's yep. physically or mentally imperfect. Um, it was gaining tons of popularity. And Dr. Carroll told Lindbergh, he was the perfect mm. example of the Ubermensch oh. Superman that um, eugenics was aiming toward, which of course, you know, our boy, Charles Lindbergh was like, oh, really? Tell me more. Uh-huh. I love this idea that I, I'm i the one everyone should right. want to be like. And I already was the international superstar. And then superstar. you go and marry J.P. Morgan's fucking daughter. Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Master race. Yeah. So he becomes this huge proponent of fucking eugenics, which, which basically becomes a very shrouded... Uh, pro-Nazi anti-Semitic movement. But it just has this super creepy face of like, you know, the American dream is almost how they they were trying to market it. It's super gross. Okay, so so the theory is that Charlie Lindbergh, Charles Lindbergh's first son, was not a healthy baby. That he had a mild form of rickets. Mm -hmm. Um, There's rickets is the disease in little kids. If if they have it bad enough, it basically makes their legs, their knees touch, Mm -hmm. and like their legs are bowed and they're really deformed. Mm -hmm. Um, Charlie's wasn't that bad. So that's some people argue that this are that this health argument isn't strong enough Mm -hmm. or like the case can't be made but the theory is that they wouldn't have that that the family was very secretive about what all these medical problems were Mm -hmm. he also didn't have a closed fontanelle Mm -hmm. um which i love that word because that's what holly hunter says in (laughs) raising arizona something about I swear that you mentioned that just now because there's something about this case that has always reminded me of raising Arizona and that they take a ladder and climb up to the fucking second floor and steal a fucking baby. Yeah. It's kind of exactly the, it's like the comedy version of this horrible story. Yeah. And his little fontanelle. Yeah. Mind his fontanelle. I love him so much. Um, mind his fontanelle. Mind his fontanelle. (laughs) So, okay. So, the fontanelle wasn't closed, which is a soft spot on a baby's head, and he was two years old. Okay. So it's that's very late for that to be happening. Okay. Also, there's a doctor, um, I think on the conspiracy show, who was talking about that that when the 
um, baby, when the remains were found, there were deeper inner organs that were missing. Um, and, and at the time, I think they, the medical examiner, they, they wrote it off as, well, it's exposure yeah. and wild animals have gotten to it. And this woman in the, in, uh, the conspiracy one goes, yeah, but you wouldn't be missing, right? You wouldn't be missing your heart. You wouldn't be missing, um, half of your lung, but not your heart. Right. You wouldn't like, they're not going to be like, I, I'm a big fan of lungs. Yeah. No, I'm going to take this piece. And it's nothing. not a pick and choose situation. It doesn't make sense. So they're saying they think this baby had a bunch of surgeries, that there was a lot of things wrong oh, no. and just nobody knew about it. It Holy was like the secret shit. and that, that the plan was, because this was a thing that got done a lot back then, that the plan was that it was Charles Lindbergh's idea to kid quote unquote kidnap the baby. Mm -hmm. Then the baby's missing. And then meanwhile, they can anonymously check that two year old into an institution and basically institutionalize the child so that he doesn't ever have the world will never know that his genes are not perfect. And he is not, this super bench. Oh, I did not know this. Yeah, well, this is a theory. So this isn't obviously proven and this is No, you know, it's true. Take it up with Nova if you don't like it. But um but I think it's fascinating because it would there's nothing about that story that makes sense. Yeah. Like this the the mystery of the Lindbergh baby kidnapping is why why would you kill a baby if you got the money for it? What right. monster would just immediately same night before anyone gets a chance to pay off yeah. anything, just kill the child? It doesn't make sense. Yeah. And um, then keep going with it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and also then just that those think those behaviors are connected. Like if you're into eugenics, there's something going on inside you that is really gross yeah and really creepy and it continued on so um so basically after the kidnapping and then the the body being found the public attention and pressure was so great on the Lindbergh family um that they and and apparently in one of these stories they said that there was another kidnapping threat against their baby john their new baby so they um they were given diplomatic passports and they traveled under assumed names and they took a boat like they left in the middle of the night and took a boat to england and ended up going to live with family that they had there in um in wales is where they they ended up going to wales and then they went out to some um island off the coast of france they were just like tried to get away from everybody um but so they lived in europe for the next three years but the next three years was 35 to 38 in fucking europe and the nazis were coming to power yeah and the nazis had heard all about how much um charles Lindbergh was into eugenics and they were like guess what we're into eugenics too why don't you come and take a tour of the fucking factory Uh um so that basically he came out as a very huge anti-Semite and a big pro-Hitler. Like he was, his whole thing was like, I don't know why Hitler has to be so extreme about everything, but they do have great ideas. Uh, he was that guy. Yeah. And nobody like, was I'm telling Like I'm not a him. Nazi, but. Yeah. <sighs> but I do love, I love their ideas and they're organized or all that bullshit. Okay. So, um, so basically he gets at they, he gets asked to return to the United States to be a consultant for the US Air Force cuz I think the the military was like we're about to get into this thing. Yeah. Um uh at that point when they come back um they have he and Anne had had five children. Jesus. Um 
And they say over the years, his kids only saw him a couple months a year. Wow. That he was really detached, distant father. Um, and then, so none of that explains the kidnapping yeah. and none of that attributes anything. And there's lots of distant fathers that you sure, know, do sure, shit. Sure. But then here's another weird twist. In 2003, these people in Germany, these German citizens come forward and announce that they are secretly, they were secretly fathered by <gasps> Charles Lindbergh in the 50s. What? Seven adult people. What? So what happened was and this turns out to be fucking true no way that in the like late 50s he goes over to germany and he starts having an affair uh he has an affair with a woman named brigitte hessheimer um she has uh he has three children with brigitte and then brigitte's sister mariette who's a painter he has two kids with her sister oh my god and then with his private secretary in europe he has a, a her name is uh valeska i just have the name valeska mm-hmm. um that he has a son and daughter with her oh and, my god yeah dude, chill all out. seven kids they're born between 58 and 67 and in 1974, Charles Lindbergh died of lymphoma. And 10 days before his death, he wrote letters to all three women begging them not to reveal the secret. And so none of them did. No. And the only way they found out was one of, I believe it was Brigitte's daughter. I could be wrong mm-hmm. about that, but I believe it was Brigitte's daughter found. They all had suspicions because he told them they were all they they met him and like would see him once a year maybe twice a year over the years but he said his name uh uh was shit i won't be able to remember it i don't have it written down it was something weird like carl kent or something Uh like that just a weird fake name that's the only way they knew their father but then did you get it yeah thank you Oh, Carew Kent. Mm-hmm. C-A-R-E-U. Um, Make that shit up, man. It's Carew Kent would show up and be like, it's me, your dad. Merry Christmas. Bye. So Brigitte's daughter finds love letters and photographs, puts it together. They all get their DNA tested. Uh, and then they find out there's it's seven children dude, that he fathered. was busy. And it goes along with his eugenics thing of I am the I am the one that needs to propagate right. and have tons of kids. So I'm going to go and have all these affairs and just have kids all over the yeah, place. Yeah, I have to. It's for the fucking greater good. It's for the greater good of, of fucking Germany. Um, so. So, I mean, that's just kind of like an interesting, weird, creepy thing where it's just like who is this person who is this mystery man that like the world held up as this great human being because he made a solo flight across the atlantic um the good part about this horrible story that basically rocked the nation and was the hugest story like it's all anybody talked about for years and years is that the day after this baby was kidnapped congress passed a law making kidnapping a capital offense wow so that's when they put it into effect that if you take a person over state lines oh right yeah it's a capital offense um and basically that's it it was and uh it was called it then and you know although remains popular at the time it was the crime of the century 
That's incredible. They never found any, the other two thirds people that it could have been. They're in, if you watch this Nova special, mm-hmm. there's a guy on there that, and it reminds me of like a lot of the Black Dahlia stuff where there's a guy on there who's like, my father knew a person right. and he overheard this conversation and it could have been this guy and it could have been it this guy. It feels like it would have been that someone related to that the the dude the one third dude yeah the brother yes. does he have a brother-in-law it's always the brother-in-law well because he was this german immigrant there was other people on the city block that he lived on that were from the same city that he yeah. was from in germany and so the landlord of this guy who says his father overheard a conversation that that man's landlord was from the same city as oh. as hopman so the theory it's very strong theory but it is just theory and it kind of goes all over because it's basically this guy's father overheard a conversation where they all talked about Ingle they used the word Inglewood mm-hmm. and they said the name Bruno mm. and da 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 and then there's pictures and whatever but it's it nothing is conclusive so and I didn't include it they never found the money the other money right like no one ever spent it well but there's the one guy that they suspected one of the two people that they really this guy knew and they suspected took a what at the time would have been a seventy thousand uh, dollar world cruise Holy shit. with his wife, and there's pictures of him on the cruise, and they came. He came back from Europe um, after Hopman was uh, was um, found guilty. So basically, they took a cruise, got the fuck out of Dodge, uh-huh. went around the world on a boat, and then when they heard that they got the guy and they were sending him to the electric chair, they were like, "Okay, we can come back now." He's, that was him. He's. I, I think it was him. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. It's but the it's very sinister and and definitely unproven. But the idea that he just wanted this not perfect yeah. baby out of the house yeah. is just so. Or maybe what dark. they were gonna do is like take take the baby out put him in a facility something accidentally happened and he died maybe they were going to replace him with like a adopted perfect baby that they were going to say was him oh maybe you know could be i mean when you see there's lots of vid they have lots of home video and these black and white videos of this baby it's not like this baby looks like anything is wrong yeah but i feel like if he was under this pressure to be the perfect um, human being yeah. and that that's the whole theory of eugenics is like perfection perfection yeah. then you can't have a baby that has turned in knees rickets you know like is that is even in any way developmentally slow yeah. maybe the baby that they found that was dead wasn't Charlie maybe they put Charlie in a fucking institution killed some other baby to be like nope Charlie's dead and then they could like have this sick baby that they visit whenever they want maybe that's i think that's it (laughs) (laughs) you've done it i did it you know what i mean though you've acted in you've you've added another twist yes well but that basically they they did it yeah that's even darker because then they're killing a baby right yeah yeah it's i mean the whole thing is it it would be nice to have some answers let's dna test that shit (laughs) go on genealogy (laughs) dot net test that shit right <laughs> get on there um well fuck that was great oh thanks 
I love it. I mean, it was fun. It was fun to watch a TV show and then just write down what they say. I gotta, I gotta give that a shot sometime. I, I feel like I'm going to get better about not doing that. I remember my friend who had never heard the podcast before. He listened to it. And we were at the work. We worked together and we went to work the next day. And he goes, you just retold a TV show. And I was like, <laughs> eh, yeah, I do that sometimes. <laughs> I always hear, I have his voice in my head when I sit down to do that, but. Oh, that's all I want to do. We've been quite busy. Listen, we've look, been, well, look and listen. To us. Always. What's your fucking hooray this week, Georgia? Um, I have two. Yeah. One of them is that I took Twitter off of my phone. <laughs> well, fucking hooray for you. Thank you. It didn't even cross my mind that that was an option. Like, I was like, I just can't stop looking and scrolling and seeing this news and bad news. And then when it's just like dumb news, like shit about Kanye, I get angry. Yeah. Like, I just got, and then it was like someone wrote like i'm taking twitter off my phone and i was like oh my god i yeah. didn't even realize that that was an option so i did it and i'm having withdrawals but i think it's for the best and then my well, you're missing some quality content from me because i'm procrastinating <laughs> so much all i can all i can do is is tweet because i'm like sitting there supposed to be turning something in yeah and then i'm like but i have this good idea okay let me know if anything good comes up let me know if there's any quality uh uh, Golden State Killer updates. I will for sure. That's the only place I was getting updates from. Okay. But then I couldn't stop checking. Okay. My other one is the TV show Barry. Oh, that yeah. That I'm enjoying so much. It's so good. It's what's his name? Barry. Bill Hader. <laughs> <laughs> Barry. Bill Hader. It's, it's so good. Yeah. And charming and funny and dark. I love it. Bill Hader plays a hitman who has to pretend he's not a hitman. He pretends he's an actor in L.A. And I wanted to say it earlier, but it's basically every conversation we overhear. It's like, <laughs> yes. it's this TV show in that. It's so fucking funny. Yeah, I like that. I've only seen the first two, but yeah. I loved it. And there's so many good... Henry Winkler, Henry God bless Winkler his soul. Is so great in that. You know, I went to camp with his daughter. She was in a cat. We were in a cabin. Was she nice? Yeah, yeah. Everyone wanted to be friends with her because she was the Fonz's, Fonz's daughter. daughter. Yeah, yeah, that'd be tough. She was nice. I think she's like a preschool teacher now or something lovely and you're just like i'm sure i've already bragged to you but we we when we worked on hollywood squares when we wrote for ellen we were just like two writers that came with her and he was the ep and we the, when you do stuff like that of like bring your own writers yeah there are people who are hired to write for that show that do not like it yeah because like who the fuck are yeah, you yeah, coming in yeah. um and but everyone was super nice to us but i was always just like so uncomfortable and henry winkler came and was like are the karens in here and he acted like he did the exact opposite of that like he basically came and like pretended like we were special and i just remember looking at him like you a did not have to do this yeah b no one ever does this and c it's like he's the mayor of hollywood like he knows yeah. how beloved he is you know what's so funny is i remember as like a fifth grader after when camp was over and we all got taken back to the meeting where the parents would pick everyone up like after two weeks of being away all crying and then she was like come meet my dad Aww. and i look up and i'm like henry winkler and he shook my hand and looked down at me nice to meet you like he was so nice yes and he's so fucking funny yeah he like he's so he, good in the show it's it the part's written perfectly for him but yeah. like that intense acting to it's he's just so good he's ridiculous yeah it's a really it's a really good show yeah okay what's yours um well i have to say mine it, uh mine is i tweeted about this but i 
was watching my friend Bridger told me to watch um, a chef's table pastry, which is a new season. Right. And I think it's slightly shorter than their normal ones. It seems like a little specialty one they Uh put out. And the there's say there's five. The third or fourth one Uh is this guy in Spain Uh named Jordi Roca. And he is basically has been named the top pastry chef in the world a bunch of times. Does he make those beautiful, they look like apples or pears and they're like glistening and gorgeous. And then they crack open and there's stuff inside. And there's like meringue and shit inside. Yes. I follow him on Instagram. Oh, like he's super beautiful. Yeah, but his, I don't know. I didn't see him, but his pastries are gorgeous. <laughs> no, there it's art. It's not, it's, it doesn't seem like a dessert in any, it yeah. doesn't look like you're supposed to eat it at all. Yeah. And the first one, so he's, so he's super hot. He's, well, he's just, it's the thing. I, it's a thing I have. Yeah. He's very, um, swarthy with a big Patrician nose and he, but like, but very soft eyes mm-hmm. and he, talks about so his older brothers own the restaurant his his one older brother's a sommelier his older brother's the head chef it's this michelin it was a one-star michelin rated restaurant already and they tried to get him to work there he's 12 years younger than them oh my god so they were like get you have to come and be the waiter well he was like a party guy and he's just like whatever i don't care and he never really like caught on and then he finally asked to get moved into the kitchen because the waiters worked so late and worked so hard he didn't want to do it so he's like i'll be in the kitchen and he was just kind of like messing around the kitchen kind of sucking and then he got moved into the pastry section because they had this oh shoot i'm not gonna be able to remember his name but like really world famous um, pastry chef who was like here have him be in my department then he's not being like hounded by his brothers all the time like he always is and he can come and i'll teach him how to do pastry well then and they show this thing he makes it's called the the city that they're that this restaurant in is like it's called i'll never remember how to say it but it's like i thought it was i thought we were in italy the first two times i watched it i assumed we were in italy because it all looked like italy and felt like italy but it's spain and say it's like it's Genoa or something like that. Mm-hmm. And the first thing they show that he made is called the flowers of Genoa. And he makes he takes this strip of what looks like fruit roll up and he cuts it out. It's the skyline of their city. And then he makes it. It's 3D. So he's having part of it stand up. But then he paints the plate underneath so that when you look at it, oh it looks like this 3D trick of the eye where there's flowers. There's these little things. You have to see it. When I was watching it, they reveal, they do the uh-huh. thing where they show him making it. And then uh-huh. it just says flowers of Genoa or whatever the name of the city is. And I on the couch went, Oh my God. Like it's that <laughs> incredible yeah. looking. And then he's like, he's talking in it about how his brother, he had a really big nose growing up and uh-huh. his brothers would always make the joke of like calling him and then he would turn his head and everyone would duck. And it's all this, the man is beautiful yeah. and you can tell he doesn't know that or understand it. And it's that thing you just go like, it's, that's how it is with everybody. Everybody thinks yeah. these horrible things about themselves because of their asshole bullies uh-huh. and siblings or whatever. And he's like this magical artist. Uh-huh. So he based his desserts basically made this restaurant go from like a one star Michelin, which is a huge accomplishment huge, anyway, yeah. to a three star Michelin oh rated God. restaurant where 
it's just incredible. I'm telling you the whole episode and I don't need to. No, I love it. I'm going to watch it. I've had a ton of coffee. I just love him. I love like the idea that he, he didn't even know that that's what he wanted to do or that it wasn't like he was trained for it like all his life. Yeah. He like discovered it and is so good at it. I I love it. I love it. I'm going to watch it. I love him. Also, he whispers the whole time, which (laughs) is kind of my jam. (laughs) Anyway, uh, a chef's table is always, it's just one of the best made television shows there is. Okay. We're going to, I'm going to watch it. Okay. Yay. That's it. Right. Hooray. Uh, Go to my favorite murder dot com for whatever i don't know if you need something for your needs and if you want to if you want to follow along with us as we go on our european tour join the fan club cult join that fan cult um because we're going to start giving you that uh content that we promised of you know special shit that you only get in the fan cult that's right uh thanks for listening and stay sexy and don't get murdered goodbye goodbye elvis you want cookie (laughs) Nice. Bye. Bye.